It's four minutes after six at DVE. Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It'll be partly sunny and cold today. Any snow showers will come to an end. High temperature 24 tonight. New ground of snow showers as we drop to 19 in scattered snow showers. Bit warmer Tuesday, high of 33. I'm Scott Harbaugh on Severe Weather Center 11. It's 21 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. A North Carolina man and his daughter are facing incest charges after having a child together. Stephen Plattle is 42 and Katie Plattle is 20. They were arrested late last month in North Carolina on charges out of Virginia, where they allegedly first started the illicit relationship. The father separated from his wife before moving in with his daughter, whom he had given up for adoption as an infant. They reportedly got married. He allegedly told his other children, Katie's siblings, to refer to her as their stepmother. Hundreds of Pitt students celebrating a Super Bowl victory, and they're not Steelers fans. Instead, crowds formed on Forbes Avenue to celebrate the Eagles' win over the Patriots, 41-33. According to a report on Channel 2, the students gathered at the Cathedral of Learning and sang Fly, Eagles, Fly. Forbes Avenue was also reportedly closed by police at one point. It is reported that despite the size of the crowd, no one was arrested or injured. Really? No fires, no cars flipped over? Apparently they were quite orderly. Wow. And officials say more than a thousand Duquesne light customers around Pittsburgh lost power during the game. Crews blamed a car that crashed into a utility pole. 500 people in Carnegie, more than 200 in Roslyn Farm, 600 plus in Pensbury Village, and other spots were dark during the game. Those outages started being reported about 7:30, with power restored about an hour later. And employers can expect today to be a very unproductive day, as an estimated 14 million people are expected to call out sick with some sort of post-Super Bowl illness. A survey conducted by the Workforce Institute at Kronos and Mucinex found that 13.9 million workers expect to be ailing today. The executive director of Kronos says, quote, we've been researching the big game's effect on the workforce for more than a decade. And while numbers may fluctuate each year, one clear fact remains. Hashtag Super Sick Monday is often the biggest day in America for calling off work. Uh, the survey found that overall, 25% of, of people believe the day after the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. 72% of HR managers surveyed think it should be a paid holiday. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a lot. It's, that is a lot. Why don't they sync it up so that President's Day is the day after the Super Bowl? Yeah, and a lot of people would be off anyway. Right. 20% of Americans say they have used a sick day the uh, Monday after the Super Bowl. A fever, the most common excuse given by employees, followed by a sore throat and a headache. 32% of us say we have shown up late the day after um, uh, just a major sporting event, whether it's football, baseball, whatever. Wouldn't you just use a vacation day? Like, can't you just do that? Yeah. Uh, if I had a regular job, that's what I would do every year. I mean, why make up an excuse and lie to your boss? Yeah. Like, it's not school. You're not yeah. Ferris Bueller. You don't have to pretend to be sick. Right. <laughs> you're an adult. You're like, yeah, yeah you're I want to go days. to a party. I'm going to watch a game. I'm not coming into Although work. Maybe some people don't get vacation days. I don't, I don't know. Depends on your That's job, true. I suppose. Tough to pull off the sick day if you don't, you know. I'd like out to of nowhere, you're just you're sick, and then on Tuesday you come in and you're like, I'm good. Uh, no, I'm fine. <laughs> I'd like to see what the numbers are in the cities of the Super Bowl teams. Well, yeah, I, I would 
think it, it's pretty extensive. I mean, Philadelphia. Be a spike in Philly. It just it, every, <laughs> every year. I mean, not just this year, but but particularly this year because Philly's first championship oh, since 1960, yeah. their first Super Bowl, I, and that that town. I don't know if you saw any of the video. Well, it's easy to go, not God. go to work when, when the building you work in has been burned down to the ground. <laughs> That's true. Makes it tough. You know? Yeah. A film that finished in first place, then slipped to second for a week, back in the top spot in this weekend's box office race. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, returns to the number one spot in U.S. and Canada. How many weeks has that been? It's seven weeks. It was released seven weeks ago. Uh Gross nearly three hundred and fifty-three million dollars domestically. So I had this argument weeks. last night That's with somebody. Insane. There was an, there was a commercial for some Rex or Rex, uh, um, the Rock Rock movie coming up. Yeah, Sky it looked Scraper? like it looked like a Die Hard type movie where he's. That's exactly what I asked my husband. So I said to my friend, "I go, he has to be the all-time, the box office champion." Of action heroes. Nobody could even come close to The Rock. My buddy's like, ah, Schwarzenegger. And I'm like, no. The Rock has had like 10 Terminators. Jumanji alone is just ridiculous. Yeah. And and, and then Fast, Too Fast, Too Furious or whatever. He's in those. Oh, yeah. He's in those now. Because he wasn't in them at the beginning. I guarantee he's got to be up there, right? I He's got to be. Tom Cruise? Yeah, maybe with the Mission Impossible movies. Oh, yeah. Which they, There's they, another one coming out. Yeah, there was an ad for last night. Which I'm starting to feel like these movies now are just a vehicle for him to do his stunts. Like, it's not even... The, there's no plot. They're like, Tom wants to do some stuff again. So, he, write up a script. He's the Tom Brady of movies. <laughs> he is. <laughs> next, Still doing it. Next Mission Impossible, he's just going to be like hanging from a plane from Tom Brady's son's lips. <laughs> Led Zeppelin have announced more details on the official illustrated book that's been assembled to mark the band's 50th anniversary. Due for publication in October, Led Zeppelin by Led Zeppelin is 368 pages long and contains unseen photographs and artwork from the band's archives. It is available for pre-order now at Real Art Press, that's spelled R-E-E-L, uh, realartpress.com. Temptations lead singer Dennis Edwards has died at the age of 74. Edwards died at his home in Chicago over the weekend. He began his career as lead singer of another Motown group, The Contours, and replaced David Ruffin as lead singer of The Temptations in 1968. He sang lead on some of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame group's biggest hits, including Papa Was a Rolling Stone. And actress Uma Thurman is discussing, dis- is accusing rather, disgraced movie producer Harvey Weinstein of sexual assault in a story published in the New York Times Thurman detailed how Weinstein attacked her in a room at the Savoy Hotel in London following the success of Pulp Fiction released back in 1994. Thurman reportedly told a friend Weinstein threatened her career if she spoke of the incident. Weinstein admits to quote unquote making a pass at Thurman, but he denies the sexual assault. Thurman, now one of more than 70 women who have accused the 65-year-old Weinstein of sexual misconduct. In the article, she also accused Quentin Tarantino of forcing her to drive an unsafe vehicle during filming and that she was injured. That? Time, so. Did you see the video of that? No. There's a, there's a video. It's, it's nuts. She's driving this car, and it's just going out of control, and she hits a tree. And it's like a real accident, and she just slumps over in the car and then like some assistant director comes out of it didn't they yeah it was 
Oh, man. And then, it wasn't just that he made her drive that unsafe car and then she got in that awful accident. He also, like, choked her in one of the scenes where she's yeah. being choked by, like, a, she's being choked by, I, I don't remember, maybe the Lucy Liu character or something like that in the movie. But to film it and get the reaction, they choked her with a chain. Quentin Tarantino did it. Wow. He was choking her. And there's another scene where she's getting spat upon by one of the characters when mm-hmm. she's being tortured, and Tarantino was doing it. Wow. Which I guess, I don't know, if you're getting spit on, it's not great no matter who it is, but it's just kind of creepy that Tarantino did this. He's Really? He, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, he seems kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. But choking her, making her drive an unsafe car that she was expressing concerns yeah. over. I I don't know. I'll look at, I I don't know that I'll be able to look at that movie ever the same way again. Not that I watched it a ton, but I mean, definitely watched it and you're kind of blown away by it all. Mm-hmm. But the sort of sadomasochistic aspect of it completely takes on a different tone now. Like it's hard to watch it. That's just an actual woman suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly sunny, cold today, mid 20s for the high. It's 21 now at DVE. Well, uh, the Golden Boy last night couldn't get it done, and the Steelers still have the most Lombardi trophies in the NFL. <laughs> Second and two. Hit the ball is out. <laughs> and Philadelphia. <laughs> Derek Barnett comes away with it. Brandon Graham was one of the guys who got in there. And it's New England's only turnover of the game. <laughs> and it's the first sack of the game. I for oh, the, the, that call. Do were... you believe in miracles? <laughs> oh. Uh, I, I still thought they were going to win. I know. Even I never... after that, I'm like, well, there's plenty of time. Same here. And the hmm. Eagles did what nobody else does. You got to bleed the clock. Yes. You got to yeah. own the clock. You can't give them any time. And then, you know, uh, they went for it on fourth down. You know, they weren't screwing around. They were there to win, and they did. A, a masterful job from Doug Peterson. Big cojones on that guy. Huge. <laughs> masterful job by him. Uh, Nick Foles with one of the most uh, impressive Super Bowl performances. I'm happy for him. He's the backup. Yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah, you know, that was incredible. You know who had a good night? Uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everybody was was name-calling. Just shout out to Jesus all the way to Carson Wentz. Wow, look at that. On television, they have footage of uh, of downtown Philly. It is just nuts. On fire. Cars wow. flipping. I saw videos of uh, people eating horse dung. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. What is wrong with Oh, yeah. That? They went full Cleveland. That's Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens when you haven't won in multiple decades. Oh. You don't know what to do. You start eating crap. You're like, no, this is the day you... You stop eating the crap. <laughs> no, it's right. time to celebrate. Step it up. Yeah. Eat caviar in the streets. <laughs> well, it, it, an outstanding game. I thought Minnesota was was uh, uh, a nice host. That that stadium is beautiful. Mm-hmm. That dome yeah, is gorgeous. It really is. What did you guys think of the uh, Justin Timberlake thing? I thought it was horrible up until he sat down at the piano. It just sounded like all backing vocals and dancing. Well, that's all it was. Yeah. Like I, what is what is this is terrible. 
I personally never really care about the halftime performance, so it's it's kind of hard to throw me off. I mean, I thought he just did a medley of his hits, mm-hmm. which is what they always do. Yeah. I mean, but it, I just, I don't know. Whatever. But he's it's, he's it's always overrated. He's catching a lot of crap for the Prince thing. Yeah. Now there was word it was going to be a hologram originally. The problem with it is, this is something Prince is on record having hated. Oh, holograms. Holograms or putting any representation of an artist who isn't there and performing with them. He said in an interview before, if I was meant to play with Duke Ellington, I would have been alive during the time of Duke Ellington. I don't know. To- the The way I look at that is you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, if, if Timberlake doesn't pay tribute to him, he gets crushed. You can, but you just don't yeah, use, you don't sing happy. with him. You don't just do a duet with Dead Prince. <laughs> So, you know, I'm so stupid. But do it's, you sing Dead Prince's song? Yeah, that's different. It didn't dawn on me until the game started yesterday why they kept talking about Prince. I'm like, what is the big deal with Prince? <laughs> I'm Minnesota. like, oh my god, you idiot. Yeah. No, I, but no. Then then everybody's like, Justin Timberlake has not only appropriated our culture, he's singing Dead Prince's songs. He's appropriated the catalog. No, because it was Minnesota, he'd be all right. I disagree. Um, I disagree. I think he there was no way for him to win in that scenario. Well, one f- for sure way to win would or not to win would be to go against Prince's actual wishes, which is what he did. So did anybody? Yeah, tell but them Pr- that Prince is dead. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't really get the shot call from the grave. That's a good point. Why does he be so? Such a pit. Why you gotta be so difficult for the afterlife, Prince? Tom Brady. Last night. Probably. Bum, 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 bum. You think he jars his tears and recycles them in some sort of like. Yes. Hydro I- infusion. Sleeps in a uh, hyperbaric chamber. Just wakes up today. He's probably already working out. Don Alley. DV. Explore the science behind sexuality this Friday at Carnegie Science Center's 21-plus night in Scott Township, Lachlan Drive. Shut down between Artview Drive and Doris Drive. That's due to a water main break. I'm Val Porter, DVE Total Traffic. Number one Cochrane Collision Centers have a new name. Body by Cochrane. A new service, customization, and a new location. Number six in Cranberry. Check out the new Body by Cochrane Collision and Customization at bodybycochrane.com. Call Mr. Water Heater. Call Mr. Water Heater. Call Mr. Water DVE Sports. Yeah, Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And, of course, the catch rule was going to come into play in the 2017-2018 NFL Super Bowl. Yeah, it seems like just about everything did. Did it not? That Mm -hmm. was a game that had – well, if it didn't have everything, I can't think of something off the top of my head what it lacked. There was – Defense. Well, but but defense helped win it at the end. Yeah. We were talking last week about it. It it looked – going in like it was going to be that kind of game and which defense could make the splash play at at the critical time because uh, both teams figured to score points and both teams did 41 to 33 Philadelphia over New England fly Eagles fly their first Super Bowl championship let's <laughs> let's start with the records that were set yesterday 
some of the procedural, most games, Tom Brady with eight. Most games head coach, Bill Belichick with eight. Most passing yards in a game, Tom Brady, 505. Wow. Let that sink in for a minute. Most games as a team, New England, 10. Most points game, losing team, New England, 33. Most first downs passing, both teams, 42, Eagles and Patriots. Most total yards game, team, New England, 613 total net yards. Didn't win. Unreal. Most total yards game, both teams, 1,151. And it was almost about 50 or so more, that last play. The ball deflecting and hanging in the air for a second with a couple, three Patriots around. And it falls to the ground, and the Eagles win it. Fewest punts, uh, New England had zero. That's a record. Fewest plausible explanations for why Malcolm Butler didn't start. We'll get to that in a minute. Fewest punts, uh, both teams won. And most missed PAT conversions, both teams four. That played havoc with the block pulls. Uh, some funny numbers coming up on the end. Uh, individually, a lot of guys uh, really getting the job done. But uh, let's go to one of my favorite statistics, rushing yards. Philadelphia 27 for 164, a 6.1 average, and one rushing touchdown. New England 22 for 113, 5.1 per carry, one rushing touchdown. All that throwing, and the team that ran the ball better won the game. It's amazing how it invariably comes down to that. Uh, The quarterback duel was sensational. Nick Foles was 28 for 43 for 373 yards, three TDs, one pick, which wasn't his fault. Bounced off of uh, Jeffrey, uh, 106.1 was his passer rating. Brady was 28 for 48 for 505, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and a passer rating of 115.4. But he turned it over at the critical moment late, sack, strip, fumble, and he was also 0 for 1 trying to catch the ball. Nick Foles was 1 for 1. <laughs> hey, that, that mattered. That mattered a great deal. Uh, pass receiving Gronk was 9 for 116. And two touchdowns. They targeted him 15 times. Uh, Danny Amendola, eight for 152. Chris Hogan, six for 128 and a touchdown. Eagles spread it around a lot more. Uh, the leading receiver was Corey Clement with four catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Jeffrey had 73. Aguilar had 84. And Ertz, 67. And what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown. The team stuff, the Pats had more first downs. 29 to 25, but the Eagles were better on the possession downs. 10 of 16 on third down versus 5 of 10 for New England. And 2 and 2 on fourth down. Pats were 1 for 2. What were the plays that uh, ultimately decided it? You got to start with the uh, Brandon Graham strip sack of Brady, and the Eagles get the fumble back and end up getting a field goal and, and using a lot of time that New England didn't have yeah. to work with. Uh, but uh, to me, the play of the game, uh, fourth and one from the New England one, 38 seconds left in the first half, and the Eagles go for it. What a call. They ran a gadget play, and it worked. Uh, reverse pass to Nick Foles, who was wide open. Awesome play. That's how you beat New England, right? You score touchdowns. Yeah, it would have been a Pyrrhic victory to go in in halftime with that field goal there at the end. Uh, we drove all the way down the effing field, and we they held us to three. You, you got to – you got to know they're going to score some points on you. 
because that's what they do and that's who they are. And the Eagles were determined to outscore them, and that's how they beat those guys. And then the last play I want to mention, and there are a million of them worth mentioning, but uh, just to keep this relatively brief, uh, after the Eagles got the touchdown, the Patriots, they, they, they ran a pooch kick, popped it up, yeah. so they would get their coverage down there, and the Patriots tried to run a reverse. And they gave themselves the ball at the nine-yard line as a result. But it was that kick that made that reverse tough to pull off. Right. But you you got to have some awareness that it wasn't going to work. That wasn't the – yeah, you had to call it off. Yes. There, and, and it took a lot of time off the clock. It took like an extra seven seconds yeah. or something. And I bring that up just because people think Bill Belichick is perfect. And I'm not here to bury Bill Belichick. He's a phenomenal yeah. coach, but he is not perfect. Nobody is. Mm-hmm. And they make their mistakes too. And, oh, that, yeah. and that was one of them. Not starting Malcolm Butler. And then there was the Malcolm Butler thing. It, what was that all about? If you win, you got you don't have to explain anything to anybody. You can you can give that BS answer. I made the decisions in the best interest of my team to give us the best chance to win. Blah blah blah. Whatever he said. But Malcolm Butler played one special team snap. He's just he's a starting cornerback. He is at times a matchup cornerback for them. He played more defensive downs than any other player on the team this year. And they play seven defensive backs with regularity. So what Belichick was saying is we had seven guys that gave us a better chance to win than Malcolm Butler. And I just can't buy that. No. That was like something went on there. So- and apparently he didn't know. They were asking him after the game, and he, he said he wasn't even told why. They both said it wasn't disciplinary. He did make – there was a quote from him that was floating about – yeah, I had a sucky year, and I have to make up for it. But the quote was nothing that I would have thought Belichick would have taken umbrage with. It was just him saying, I need to atone for not having as good of a year as I wanted to have. Something had to go down between him and Bill Belichick. Either that or Belichick maybe started uh, believing his own BS a little too much and thought, hey, whatever move I make is going to be the right one. I'm going to do this. And it, you know, they they could not stop Philadelphia. But the guy you relied on all year more than any other player—that that, doesn't even make sense to upset the apple cart, if nothing else. You know, like it's, it's a phenomenal turn of events. And they still almost did it. To not, to, I mean, all right, I get not starting them, but you play five, six, seven a lot, right? More than you play four, and to not have them out there at all. One special team snap. Uh, ESPN.com caught up with Butler. Late, he didn't say anything in the locker room worth mentioning, but uh, he told ESPN.com, quote, they gave up on me. F, it is what it is. I don't know what it was. I guess I wasn't playing good or they didn't feel comfortable. I don't know, but I could have changed that game. Uh, we'll never know. We will never know. That's an incredible decision, and I, I'm curious to see how many people hold Belichick's feet to the fire on that one. The pure- every time Mike Tomlin does something that doesn't work, the response around here from a lot of people is, oh, Bella, that would never happen to a Belichick team. He'd never do that. But that response comes from pro football talk a lot. And, again, not trying to bury Belichick. I just mentioned he set the record for most games coached right. in the Super Bowl. That speaks for itself. But it he does not have every answer to everything. And every time your team screws up, you shouldn't compare it to him and assume he would have done it better or in a winning fashion. I'm with you, Mike. I can understand not starting him, but it's not like the defense was putting out some kind of shutdown performance. Yeah, it wasn't working. They, they weren't stopping him. And they never went to him. That's crazy. Had to be punitive. Had There had to be a reason that was not football related. I can't imagine it was anything but that. 
It, Did you see him like crying before the game, like what, while the yeah. anthem was going everybody, on? Or was it America the Beautiful or the anthem? Yeah, everybody thought he was just emotional. <laughs> I was like, whoa, Malcolm Butler. He was basically crying because he wasn't going to play. Yeah. So, uh, I, like, I'm half wondering, like, are, char- uh, are charges going to be brought against Malcolm Butler this week in something that the Patriots found out about but nobody else did? Or did he violate some silly team rule? And yeah. this was Bill Belichick being the disciplinarian because you treat everybody the same? Right. No, you don't. You don't. That guy should have played. Well, I- and I can say that because they lost. Right. If they won, you got to shut up and say, hey, great call, great coach, great job. Did you think that uh, the after the field goal to go up 10 at the end, or to go up uh, eight. 8 at I the end? I thought there was enough time. I, I totally thought mm-hmm. they were going to come back and, yeah. t- and send it to overtime. As a matter of fact, I, I had my doubts after the, they started at the nine-yard line. Well, because of that that goofy return. Yeah. I think, I think at that point, if it's a pooch, you just got to catch it. and Maybe you pop a scene, maybe you don't. It's but a pooch, and it's in the corner. You at least get to the 20 or 25, and you have a little, you know, little working room. Well, I was yelling at the TV like everybody else, quite a, mostly at Doug Peterson last night, to bleed the clock, to not do the dumb things, to not squib kick it and give him the ball on the third, you know, 35 or 40. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, at every turn – was was doing the the right thing, calm, yep, and cool, and taking the chances that were necessary to trusted make sure his quarterback him. to make throws on third down. Trusted his team on fourth and one at the goal line. Yeah, that's they, what I didn't see coming. Like I thought that they would let Foles manage the game, but they put it in his hands. And he he had a tremendous playoffs. Yeah, he did. He did have one year as a starter Pro Bowl when he had to come in in 2013. He put up. Mm. Tremendous numbers. Yeah. I mean, he, he had a track record of success. But the only guy, I got to credit Tony Dungy, the only guy I heard in the wake of the Carson Wentz injury that didn't bury the Eagles was Tony Dungy. He said he said they're going to be fine. Nick Foles can can get it done for him. Well, and everybody else was writing headlines. Eagles season over. Wentz out. You know, he did it. GM of the year in Philly. They lost their left tackle. They lost a key linebacker. They lost a safety. Did you notice uh, when there was like, how much time was left after Nick Foles scores the touchdown before the half? Mm, 30 seconds, give or take. Yeah, and the Patriots uh, tried to score. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You're not supposed to be afraid you're going to F up. And they knew they did that knowing they were going to get the ball to start the next half. Yeah. They were like, screw it. Let's try to double up here. Right. That was a tremendous Jags game. Jags can't do that. That's yeah, they uh you know, that's why how you know the Jags aren't ready. But uh, the Eagles never had that moment where they screwed something up cuz they were playing the Patriots. Nope. You know, I mean they weren't perfect Boy, either. Boy, were they close. Also, do you think James Har- Harrison could still play? You going to blame that on him? No. No, well, it looked I'm like saying it looked he like he could still awesome. play. Oh, he was okay. he, 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 he was, was around the quarterback quite a bit. The least tired player in the fourth quarter was James Harrison. I didn't think he had a great game. Nobody on their defense did, but he played ninety-one percent of the defensive snaps. And, and the, was, the bottom line on the Harrison thing is whether the Steelers thought he could help them or not, whether the Steelers thought he should be playing for them or not, they helped a team that's already better than them. And it's clear that Harrison made the Patriots better. Yeah. They got him there, and he, they, they kept every game he kept playing more. After already having done it with LeGarrette yes, Blunt. Yes, they got to stop doing that. 
Yeah, stop making the they, Patriots they gotta better. they got to stop making the Patriots better. And if they don't think, in retrospect, that was a stupid thing to do, then they're as delusional as all the people who were tweeting about Jesse James last night. What were people tweeting about Jesse James last night? I, I wasn't on Twitter too that much. Because, oh, the catch. That because Arts. But that because the Ertz catch held up. Two totally different uh, catches. Obviously, the Jesse James catch should have been a touchdown, no. and the Steelers got robbed, and no. all the crying and bitching and whining that Steeler Nation loves to do. Ertz took at least four steps with the yes, ball. He was a runner. That was he the difference. He caught the ball at the six-yard line. <laughs> he, yeah. he caught the ball at the six-yard line. Just... If you catch the ball at the six-yard line and end up in the end zone, you cannot at any point – be considered to not have had possession yet because you had it for six yards. There's no way you could have argued. I mean, it's all over, all over Twitter. No, it's to- two totally different places. Yeah. It, the I the still comparison think- is they both threw to a tight end. The comparison ends there. Um, James went to the ground to try to make the catch. The argument for Jesse James that is valid is that it when he landed it never hit the ground right that's the argument you can make so if he would have been if the rule was different if the rule was different and he's now considered in possession then when he turns it's over he breaks the plane it's a touchdown right but he was never a runner yeah it's almost like the jesse james thing caused such an uproar that they just decided okay we got to change this rule in the offseason and if anything even remotely touches up against Looking like this, we're just going to give them the catch. Speaking of bonehead Steelers, Le'Veon Bell. More uh, more Le'Veon Bell yapping, and we'll tell you about that when we come back. Ask not. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show, Super Bowl Monday. Uh, a very unproductive day in the city of Philadelphia, I'm sure, as they continue to. <laughs> not for the cleanup crews. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. All right, so. What did I tell you? It was going to be worse if they won. Yeah. Wow. You're right. So Steelers... Nothing happened to Pat's King of Stakes, right? Steelers fans tried to, uh, of course, this was all about the Steelers. Last night was some sort of referendum on the Steelers. And yeah. also, uh, as it pertained to the Steelers, the Ertz touchdown and the Jesse James call were the exact same thing. And uh, the Steelers got robbed, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about the Steelers for a second. Let's. Le'Veon Bell, I think, just played his way out of Pittsburgh or talked his way out of Pittsburgh. I could be wrong. I don't know. Mike, as you pointed out, what would you rather have, Le'Veon Bell or Ajayi and um, uh, Clement and Blunt? Blunt. Or Ajayi and more than one inside linebacker that can play really well. Right, yeah, another Steelers uh, trouble spot. Do they, their superstar lineup, is that the best way to go about it or do they need to not have an all-pro at one or two fewer positions and have better depth. One less superstar who's likely to get hurt as the position has always sort of uh, the, the evolution. Or maybe suspended again. <clears throat> well, that's the other thing. Now, his behavior this past week, <clears throat> this guy, the, he's an idiot. Le'Veon Bell is a moron. I was going to do a, is Le'Veon Bell a moron? Let's have a discussion, but we don't really need to. He's a moron. Not only did he once again say, oh, yeah, no, I will. Uh, consider not playing if the Steelers try to franchise me. Not only did he oh, say, I wish he would do it. Not only did he say that. He also said that some of his teammates weren't ready to play against the Jaguars, but he was the guy who showed up 
didn't go to walkthroughs the day before and showed up late to the game on Sunday. Now, granted, he had a good game, but he doesn't understand that his actions actually have an impact on his teammates. Uh, and he basically, to me, he was calling out the offensive line. Saying, no, he goes, don't get me wrong. In the second half, we got it together. Uh, but in the first half, you know, there were runs where I was getting tackled in the backfield and those guys were getting up and they were all, they were all cocky and confident and we just weren't ready to play. Yeah, he was speaking with uh, Tyke and Tierney on CBS Sports Radio. I don't know where that show is. It's a, it's it's out of Tampa, but it's national. Okay, so that was probably one of our a radio, radio road, road deal. Yep. Um, he talked about the team not having energies. You just mentioned, quote, I did, but you can't yeah. control everybody. I did. I wanted that game badly. Certain guys out there was not ready to play football. I mean, don't get me wrong. Guys woke up in the second half, but it's kind of too late. I did. Yeah. Uh, okay. This... So exonerates himself, but of course, cast some aspersions at unnamed others. The guy who tweeted out basically, "Yeah, we're taking on New England next week." He was a distraction a bunch of times this season. He's been suspended a couple of times. His levy on Bell on his way out. I'm not sure what they're thinking. Now, we had heard from Bell recently saying they were making great progress on a contract, which may or may not be true. Yeah. Now, with these comments, might be uh, maybe that contract's not uh, coming the way he, he thought it was going to. I would move on at this point. I, I think I'm done with Le'Veon Bell, I as good he, as he is. I think he's what either the baby. best running back in the league or the second best. But I think you can find, and um, adequate's the wrong word, but uh, a useful replacement that can impact the game and make yourself better in other areas. And they, what, one of the things the Steelers have to do, I think, their fans have to do this, but their team has to do this more than the fans, is become a little more realistic in their evaluation and assessment of who they are and where they are in the pecking order. Because uh, what this season at the end of it showed to me, they're not, guess what, they weren't as good as the Patriots. They lost to them. And the Patriots didn't win either. So they're not as good as the Patriots. They're not as good as the Eagles. They're not as good as the Jaguars. Going in the wrong direction. And I think Philadelphia winning despite losing Sproles and losing their left tackle and losing a starting linebacker and losing a starting quarterback. Now all those playoff runs where everybody said, oh, it was injuries. Well, no, it wasn't. Your team wasn't good enough. Yeah, and the other thing (laughs) is that we always measure ourselves and our chance for winning a Super Bowl on AFC competition. So if you look around the AFC, you think, okay, next year we're going to have to battle these guys and these guys. You have to battle the Patriots and the Chiefs and probably the Jaguars again. You know, those are the known commodities. But guess what? If you make it to the Super Bowl, the other side, there's some awesome teams over there right now. Philadelphia is going to be great again. And uh, as you, you know, we're saying in in between the break there, like, uh, Hey, what if they traded Carson Wentz instead? Imagine what they'd get back for him. Just a hmm ha, just a for thought. The Falcons are going to be really good again. The Panthers are really good. Vikings, Vikings, Saints. yeah. These there's a lot of great <laughs> NFC teams that have explosive, high powered offenses, and we don't have a defense. Yeah, they 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 did with Shazier, but it fell completely apart without him. By the way, we'd be remiss if we did not mention the uh, outstanding news yesterday from Adam Schefter. That's that's not correct. Yeah, he was apparently he was the woman be, who's you on would, the sideline. Michelle Tafoy, you yeah. you would be inaccurate if you uh, mentioned the news from Adam Schefter. Wow! Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, at all. I'll, I'll get to that next hour. But it's Michelle Tafoy corrected it, and Ryan Shazier 
signed off on her correction as 100% accurate. He's not wow. He's not walking without assistance. It's uh it's not the picture that Schefter painted. Bill and I jeez, did That's we That's exactly what we were worrying about. We were texting back and forth about that yesterday like, man, I hope they didn't would just be, rush to break a story This here. would be a really bad look if Adam Schefter gets this jump wrong. Jump on his, jump on his Twitter if you if you got a computer. Yeah, you know what? Works. I stayed off a tw- I don't uh, unfortunately. I have no computer works working today. Um I stayed off a of Twitter pretty much for the for the Super Bowl yesterday. I have to tell you, totally different experience. <laughs> I, I was, was having pretty co- much off of yeah. it too. I was having conversations. I was talking to people. I, I went on it I afterward. I felt alive again. I went on it <laughs> afterward because there was some uh but I hate myself for saying this, but uh some of the stuff out of Philadelphia was just hilarious. Oh uh, my god. I know it's, it's mob rule and violence and stuff that I shouldn't be laughing at and destruction oh, yeah. of public property, but it just was so who didn't see that coming? It was so Philly. I just hope Pat's King of Steaks is all right. Did you see there was like, you know how they have those canopies coming out of a hotel yeah. from the, you know, basically covering the entire curb? There was 70 people standing on the Ritz canopy and it collapsed. It went down like the Titanic. Just like, <laughs> yeah. nice and like slow. Like a slow but regular <laughs> descent. There are people climbing the gates to uh, City Hall. Uh, look, yeah. Flipping Priuses over. I saw a thing on. I think it was. Uh, I forget what site it was, but there was a guy in the subway on the tracks, and the headline was "Philadelphians no longer feel death, fear death," yeah. and the the platform was crowded, and he was he was taking a cell phone camera shot of the of the platform. And then right before the video ends, he turns over his shoulder real quick and looks like, not <laughs> suspecting that a train was coming. But there's uh, got to be at least one or two fatalities. I mean, those guys were partying. The no arrest thing. I'm waiting to hear what that ends up being. Um, but so one video of a cop high five and everybody. Yeah, I saw that. I saw. That. I saw another video of a guy eating horse turds. Yeah, that's not. That's not. <laughs> an acceptable. That's when you know you haven't won in a while. So, all right. Uh, to wrap up the Le'Veon Bell thing, Odell Beckham Jr. tweeted out a picture of or put it on his Instagram of him and Le'Veon Bell. And he said, welcome to the newest member of the New York Giants. And Lev Bell's like standing next to him laughing. Um, I think he's a great player, guys. I, I Simmer Gurley to me, the, the yeah, best running backs for sure. in the game. And the other ones aren't that close. But you saw what the, you know, spreading the wealth a little bit. I mean, the Eagles, how many points they get yesterday? 41? Did they have an all-pro receiver? Did they have an all-pro tackle or a pro bowl tackle? Did they have an all-pro center? Did they have an all-pro running back? But they had more of everything else, right? They had more of what they needed. Val's got news next. What do you got? Well, we are going to talk about some Girl Scouts and their uh, marketing genius. Show your support for the children's home. At a Super Bowl last night, the Eagles stunned the Patriots. They win. With the help of the Prince Hologram, they come uh, <laughs> You know, when this, the Pats took the lead in the fourth quarter, you just thought, oh, this is it. Okay. Here's where it, it's just done now. Their first lead of the game? Yeah. Touchdown to Gronk. Oh, here we go. Thanks for playing. There we go. They strung us along again, ripped our hearts out at the end again. I, I, uh, I think that was in the third quarter, right? That that happened. 
I thought it was the fourth quarter. I don't know. That last drive, I was just worried that they were just going to march Gronk right down the field again. They Which they kind of did. Yeah. Uh, Except when it mattered. Tom Brady is still the greatest of all time. Uh, I just imagined Giselle losing her mind after the game, like pulling her hair and throwing things. <laughs> and Did anybody see Ron Burkle? Ne- is that who that was? Sitting next to Giselle. I'm like, who is Come that on. guy? I that know him. That was Burkle? Yeah. He's hilarious. Not anymore. <laughs> that wasn't hilarious. I couldn't figure that out who that was. Burkle? You, uh, imagine if Art Rooney was in Ted Leonsis' box as the Capitals were playing for the Stanley Cup. Wouldn't happen. I could not believe I saw Ron Burkle sitting there. I get it. I get it. You're a billionaire. Maybe not in touch with the common guy, but damn it, you're the owner of the Penguins. At least you wear can't a disguise. Be hanging out with Tom Brady. Put on a fake mustache. Yeah, wear some glasses. Oh, he just thinks it's ridiculous. That, that's the one thing that drives me crazy. Like the stuff that Lev Bell says. Like when those guys don't understand that the fans are so heartbroken that they don't want to see you tweeting about video games five hours after you've don't been eliminated. Care. From the playoffs, or that maybe they don't want you to be seen. Look, and how about Burkle? Always with the hot chicks. The dude is always with <laughs> hey. supermodels, smoking hot chicks, and he dresses like my ninth grade English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> what corduroy jackets with the shoulder with the elbow pads? No, he was actually yeah yeah. It, it, that was like a oh no, that sweater. was. Your teacher that had the farts. No. <laughs> My irritable bowel syndrome ha- having uh, LSAT instructor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that pissed me off a little bit last night to see him. And then the catch. All right. The catch rule comes into play mm-hmm. once again on two Eagles touchdowns. One of them, I thought, by letter of the law, was not a touchdown. The other one, I thought was. But everyone was comparing the Zach Ertz touchdown that ultimately was the game winner for the Eagles there. Everyone's comparing it to Jesse James touchdown. They're two totally different plays. Zach Ertz caught that ball on the six yard line (laughs) and then ends up in the end zone. Completely different. He was established as a runner. So that's all he's got to do is break the plane. I mean, that's where they were different. Yeah. And that's how you have to discern. The argument for the Jesse James touchdown was whether or not it moved in his hands or or it hit the ground when it moved or if it just hit his, you know, the ground underneath his hand, forced the ball to move up. And could they have been able to, on replay, make the determination that it was definitely the ground? The answer is no. So they shouldn't have overturned that. Now, that aside, Eagles last night did what you're supposed to do. Ballsy fourth down call for a touchdown to end the first half. Play to win. Bled the clock constantly, making sure that they were using the play clock in the second half to tick, 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 tick. Smart. And then a long, I mean, they a pounding seven-minute drive. Well, the first their first possession took up didn't take up half of the first quarter. And that's what you got to do. But then they came away with a field goal, and you're like, oh, And then the Patriots no. were like, hot knife through butter. Oh, yeah. But Just some, tied it immediately. Some weird plays last night. Nick Foles is your uh, Super Bowl MVP. Deserves it. Good for him. He was awesome. Played lights out. Sweet little baby.
dropping dimes all over the field. Big night for uh, trending upward. Uh, God, big, big uh, thank uh, God, thank Jesus night. About big time. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The city of brotherly love. Yeah. Showing no. some love to the big guy. Yeah, no, there was a lot of there was a lot of not love Mario. for the big guy last night. No, no, <laughs> not Mario. <laughs> Man, I got to find out what's going on with Burkle. <laughs> I want Mario to explain that one to me. The guy behind the big guy. Why was Burkle hanging out with Giselle? Isn't there some tie to Brady, Tom yes. Brady? Like, weren't there is, and I can't remember now. Is there some? They tie? share a private plane. I was. <laughs> I don't I'm know. thinking that that does have something to do with it. TB12. How about we Google what is the tie between Burkle, Burkle and Brady? Big, uh, big win for the Eagles, their first Super Bowl, and the Patriots still only have five Lombardies. Hey, sitting on six over here, Boston. I ca- I can't even be happy though because Brady's not done. Oh no, he's gonna win another one. <laughs> Um, he's going to be so pissed that he's going to be like, you You have to get me a defense now. I wonder if he'll have a coach. I wonder if he'll have a Gronk. Gronk? Yeah, Gronk contemplating retirement. I, if I were Gronk, I would retire. Just do Gronk cruises. He ha- yeah, just do. <laughs> oh, my God. Just do just Gronk cruises. They should start a cruise line like the brothers in the breakup with with Vince Vaughn <laughs> and his brothers had that tour, tour bus and tour boat. Oh, yeah. What he was should that just called? do that with his brothers. He should just do, yeah, a line of ducky tours. Something unlimited or something like the Boston Harbor and I I don't know Gronk should do something uh but not play football I'd be happy as a Steeler fan all right and uh, actually there was some they probably have to put him down soon right because he's <laughs> he's, he's getting up there in age not a horse no no I don't think you have oh. to put Gronk down uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought this he was coming up to the point you know he traditionally has bad hips at this age and yeah he is like a Great Dane yeah. Ron Burkle and Tom Brady are close friends, according to ProFootballTalk.com. How? Because they're both from the West Coast originally? No, because Ron Burkle's a rich guy who just buddies up to other rich people. And Apparently, I didn't don't remember it. There was a picture of Tom Brady with his hands all over the Stanley Cup last summer at Ron Burkle's house. Oh, yeah. That's where the connection was. I don't it, remember that. Oh, I remember that pissing me off last summer. By the way, when Daryl Green was bringing the Lombardi Trophy up to the the stage last night, mm-hmm. did you were you still watching Val or did you turn it no, off? No, I once they. Oh, I was watching. I, I just I didn't care. Did, did you notice how all the people just started touching it and stuff? Yeah. And then uh, the one linebacker had his his kid, and she had the the uh, earmuffs. The earmuffs on, yeah. And I was thinking, it was funny. Like it looked like they were just going to start putting like stuff on Daryl Green because he's like <laughs> he's holding the Lombardi statue. And I thought it'd been funny if they just put those pink earmuffs on him. And he's like, "Come on, man, take them off." And then people are like, started putting streamers on him. He's like, "Please quit it." And then they're drawn on his cheek. And he's like, "Come on, man, is that? Did you put a union on my face? Oh man, this is. I, I have a gold jacket." Uh, and then Kevin Hart tried to get on the stage. And was denied. <laughs> and was denied. And then apparently dropped an F-bomb on NFL Network. Yeah, that made me happy, actually. No. You don't get to do that. Like Bradley Cooper sitting with the owner last night, it annoyed me a little bit. I mean, I thought about it. I'm like, if Gardell got asked by the Rooney's to go sit up in the box for the he, Super Bowl, he would be up he would in the do box. It. So I, I backed down on my criticism a little bit. Because initially, I'm like, if you're a real fan, you don't. 
I don't just sit with the owner right now. Uh, Mike Trout was out in the crowd. Yeah. Is he from Jersey originally? That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So, a hell of a game and a lot of fun to watch. Val has a news update and a look back at some of the commercials. Yeah, here is the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast. It's brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It'll be partly sunny and cold today. Any snow showers will come to an end. High temperature 24 tonight. New ground of snow showers as we drop to 19 and scattered snow showers. Bit warmer Tuesday, high of 33. I'm Scott Harbaugh on Severe Weather Center 11. It's 21 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Giant Eagle Curbside Express. There's been another deadly train crash, this time an Amtrak train rolling down the wrong track, smashed into a freight train early yesterday in South Carolina. According to authorities, two Amtrak employees were killed, more than 100 others injured. This is the third fatal Amtrak crash in less than two months. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster said the two trains were not supposed to be meeting like that. Clearly, it uh, it appears the Amtrak was on the wrong track. He added the CSX freight train appeared to be on the right track. One enterprising Southern California Girl Scout saw the cookie season began just about the same time California's legalized marijuana sales kicked off. (laughs) So she set up her cookie stand right outside the Urban Leaf Marijuana Dispensary in San Diego. Smart girl. KGTV reports the marketing scheme was a big success. She sold more than 300 boxes of Girl Scout cookies to Urban Leaf customers who just want a little (laughs) snacky snack later on. Yeah. Officially, Girl Scouts, the uh, the organization, not a big fan of that. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> In fact, the Colorado chapter absolutely forbids any cookie sales outside dispensaries. Ah. <laughs> but pretty that was smart. just smart. Well, it's not like yeah. they come out of the dispensary stone. That's Blowing it. weed smoke. Yeah, yeah they just come out and they see those. They're like, I'm going to need those later. That's a great idea. Uh, I'm gonna need. It's I'm like when you're, you know, about to go out drinking and you're leaving a gecko or something and you see like the Gatorade's two for three bucks. You're like, uh, yeah, I better get a couple that's, of bucks. Yeah, that's, <laughs> tomorrow's going to. I'm going to hedge my cotton mouth here. Yeah, exactly. Well, you can never go wrong with a compliment. According to Match.com's new 2018 Singles in America survey, the one behavior that really impresses singles on a first date, flattery. 90% shows compliments your appearance as the most appealing first date behavior. That was followed by offers a taste of their food at 67%. That's a little for a first date. That's a Would you like a bite of my hot dog, gorgeous? <laughs> it, hold on. Depends what it is. If nah. it's if it's a ha- handheld food like that, a hot dog, <laughs> not okay. No. <laughs> well, who's buying? What if you got like uh, a tray of like raviolis or something? You're like, these are really good. Do you want one? Like, is that that creepy? If you're getting along, I don't know. Yeah, I offer them to the not. waiter sometimes. I'll be like, dude, these are you can try. It. You know, I don't know. I'm a big food share. I take yeah. Personal. I take a I take a little bite into the bathroom with me if there's anybody in there. <laughs> hey. Hey. Oh, I just brought a plate in. <laughs> you got to try these. Dude, you got to try these. Oh, uh, my God. So good. I'm a sharer. 65% says asks a lot of questions, and 38% said the one behavior that impresses them on a first date, ordering for you. Shut up. Nobody 38%. likes that. 38%. <laughs> She'll have the lobster ravioli. I'm allergic to shellfish. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Lobster ravioli. I that would be a such a turnoff. <laughs> and a Benadryl shake. 
<laughs> what if you didn't? Um, what if it was a restaurant like that was kind of fancy and you didn't know how to order off of the menu? Always point. I would say, right, yeah. Like you do with wines. If you're just like, you know, doing a boom, that's the price I like wine, then you just say the bin number. I'll have, I'll uh, have the filet mignon. Excuse me, sir. That's that's not how you pronounce it. Do you ever, you ever <laughs> order a bottle of wine and they immediately correct you on the pronunciation? Like when you say it, you're like, I'll have the uh, Chateau uh, Pouliac. <laughs> right. like, Pouliac. Yeah, I'll have the, okay, uh, fine. The Fountain drink. <laughs> so that says fountain drinks. I did it one time in Montreal. <laughs> I thought everything was brown. And I said, I'll oh, salmon plate. And they're like, <laughs> you mean the salmon plate? <laughs> I was like, it's not plate. <laughs> A school in Massachusetts new students would not probably be at the top of their game after yesterday's Super Bowl. So they have delayed the start of school today. Hoping students can uh, be fresh when they walk in the classroom. Southeastern Regional Votech in uh, the Massachusetts area. Students go three hours late today. Wow. Three hours late. Pretty good deal. Three hour delay for Super Bowl. Probably not going in with the excitement they were expecting today, but. No, you know what's funny is, is my daughter told me last night, she's like, almost none of the students at my school. Are Steelers fans? They all love the Patriots, and I was like, "Well, they're just not being raised right." No. This is this is a horrible parenting failure. But I kind of remember as a kid, you're just a fair weather fan. Like you like whoever's whoever's the best, and they've been the best. So no, no doubt about it. So uh, Super Bowl commercials. What did you guys think overall? I thought they were. Okay. Nothing spectacular. Nothing really stood out. A lot of movie trailers. Yeah. A lot of of Tide. That they were my favorite. Yeah. And 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 it was brilliant because every commercial after that, I'm like, is this really a Tide commercial? Right. Is this really what this product is, or is it going to be Tide? Yeah. Were they like commercial bombing everyone? I think. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But don't don't you think it's a little bit weird that in the wake of a national phenomenon of people eating detergent pods, that they were like taking advantage of it as a time to strike while the iron's dumb? They didn't. They weren't tossing Tide pods into their mouth. I know, but have you ever seen a Tide commercial in the Super Bowl before? I don't recall. Right. So yeah, yeah. Wasn't the stain talking on the guy's shirt tied? Oh, yeah. Yes. You're, you know what? You're right. Okay. So that was a Tide Stick commercial, yes. So um, one commercial which aired early, I believe, in the game, getting a little bit of heat for their use of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, to sell trucks. And I <laughs> yeah. lost it. Here we go. Oh, sorry, Valerie. I'm sorry, not sure if sorry. I was doing this. Okay. Go ahead. You want to be great? Wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Uh, the 50-year-old speech from the civil rights activist included in an ad for Ram trucks. Uh, so that did not sit well with people. To, but apparently that commercial was reportedly approved by King's estate. Oh, it was? Be- I uh, thought it was That's according to this 24-7 news source. It would have to story. be. Yeah, I don't know how. How I else. thought you I saw one of their children reply on Twitter, like I can't believe that Martin Luther King's family would allow this to happen, and then somebody replied to it like, "We didn't." 
Uh, well, there was a little similar uh, discussion about Justin Timberlake using Prince's image and singing with him. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, did you like the Bill Hader Pringles ad? I, that was one. That's of how we do it on the farm. Barbecue Pringles. Pizza Pringles. You made barbecue pizza. Wow. Wow. Add a jalapeno. Spicy barbecue pizza. Wow. 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 Wow, you can stack different flavors? Nobody asked you, Kevin! <laughs> wow. Stack flavors, make new ones. I was watching with too many people. I didn't get to see you enough commercials. Um, no, and we went to my one friend's house for like the third year in a row, and her TV's not loud enough, and I'm done with it. It's I'm I, That's the last year. It is hard to concentrate when you're at – that's why if it, a game really, like any Penguins playoff games, I can't go to a bar to watch nope. it. I can't because no. you can't concentrate. I'm an old person um, now. i got to be alone too. at my house with the TV I'm on and my jealous. socks on and just <laughs> – yeah, they talked a lot before the game about the Doritos Mountain Dew commercial with Peter Dinklage and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I didn't think it was that great. Uh, the I, Peter Dinklage okay. part was later on. I saw a UPM UPMC commercial and I thought, you know, they should have wrapped it. <laughs> if that if the doctor comes out and wraps all the benefits of UPMC coverage, Busta Rhymes had to have wrapped about. <laughs> Health insurance at some point, right? Why not? I mean, that would have got a lot of uh, notice, you know. Uh, the Bud Knight commercial. Are we winning? No. See, it's so small from back here. I can't really tell. Look! It's the Bud Knight. It's the Bud Knight. We're saved. Yes. Dilly dilly! Time to do what must be done. People love the dilly dilly. Yeah, so that was a pretty good one. Here's the tide with David Harbour from Stranger Things. Right. And that's my computer just freaked out. Yeah, nothing's working right in here this okay. morning. This was the Bud Light Super Bowl. Yeah, just a typical Super Bowl car ad. Right? Or a hilarious beer ad. <laughs> or whatever ad this is. But it's a tie, Dad. What? It's a tie, Dad. What makes it a tie, Dad? There are no stains. Look at those clean clothes. What else would this be an ad for? Diamonds? A gift that lasts for a no time. <laughs> it's time no. for a cold refreshment. No. <laughs> tie, Dad. Fall into the sleep of no. you. No. Tied. <laughs> tie, Dad. Extreme. No. Tide. Tide! Meet the all-new. No, it's a Tide ad. Tide. So, does this make every Super Bowl ad a Tide ad? I think it does. Watch and see. Pretty good, I thought. Really good. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one that I liked, too, was Danny McBride and Chris Hemsworth doing a, a tourism ad for Austra visiting Australia. Good day, losers. Yo, where the kangaroos at? Brian Dundee? Yep. Really? Yeah. Really? Why do you keep saying really? 
<laughs> what do you mean Dundee's lost in the outback? He is the outback. Nobody talks about Mick like that. Careful with that knife, mate. It's pretty sharp. A knife? How big? What do you mean there's two of them? Maybe that one's a little more visual. I was but. just going to say, I didn't see that. I have no idea what's going on right now. Yeah, they did a, like a mock Crocodile Dundee sequel uh-huh. with Danny McBride was Crocodile Dundee's son. And then he's like, this isn't really a sequel, is it? And a, and a cameo by the actual yes, Crocodile Paul Dundee. Hogan. Yeah, he looked uh, bad. Well, you know. <laughs> A lot of sun damage. It's been a while since, yeah. He's, he's been boozing for 28 straight years. And he's had a little bit too much sun D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crocodile sun D damage. <laughs> like a leather glove. So, yeah, I mean, no, nothing was like no, it seemed blockbuster. Like people have, have stopped making a huge deal about the commercials yeah. because the viral impact is just as great as anything you can do during the game. And you open yourself up to criticism because people are like, you have to entertain us on a, a Spielberg level for people to go, I love that. Or like the perfect joke or strike the perfect tone. Like I think the Tide commercials probably came away a winner because yeah. of that. But it's such a crapshoot. Why would you spend all those millions of dollars out of your marketing budget to take a chance? I mean, like I was I was trying to say before is I think this was the Bud Light Super Bowl because they had all those commercials and the owner said, look, if we win, we're getting everybody a Bud Light in Philly. Yeah, and, that's right. I mean, all that, and Philadelphia is going to take they're going to, yeah. I mean, pay up. Right. They don't do it. I'm glad they didn't do it last night. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't need it last night. Well, you know, one of the commercials last night that I thought was super cool. The Ram Trucks commercial shot in Iceland. I've been to Iceland. I I was at a couple, the, one of the places where they filmed there. It, 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 a bunch of Vikings in the Ram Truck headed to Minneapolis for the Super Bowl. It's got mm-hmm. this rare BBC version of uh, the Queen song, We Will Rock You. Do, you. do you ever hear this version? They did it live wow. in concert this way. Um, really cool. I mean, it's like the number one sports anthem of all time. They just won a Lifetime Achievement Award at uh, at the uh, Grammys last Sunday. But that video, pretty cool. You can check it out, the Ram Trucks YouTube video in its entirety because they have a longer form. You go to YouTube and just search Ram Trucks. All right, From coming up. SouthHillsAuto.com Weather Center. It'll be partly sunny and cold today. Any snow showers will come to an end. High temperature 24 tonight. New round of snow showers as we... Oh, yeah. Mike Masuda with a recap of the Super Bowl yesterday. Fly, Eagles, fly. You can't spell uh, pain without New England Patriots. They are in pain this morning. Uh, well, they're in a lot of pain, but they, they, they can rest on five championships, eight Super Bowl appearances. Tom Brady's record-setting performance in the Super Bowl last night. They can, but when you lose, you got to deal with the fallout. And uh, the, the prominent fallout is it sucks to lose the Super Bowl. And then guys start uh, wondering about their futures, and then people start second-guessing the decisions that led you to lose the Super Bowl. And all that's going on in New England this morning in the wake of 
Eagles 41, Patriots 33. Rob Gronkowski in the immediate aftermath, apparently pondering retirement, but not yet ready to talk retirement. I, I don't know how you heard that, but I mean, I'm definitely going to look at my future for sure. I'm going to sit down the next couple of weeks and uh, see where I'm at. Rob, what would make you retire? I'm not ready for that, these type of questions right now. I mean, I'm just going to uh, sit down, reflect on the season, uh, probably talk to my teammates. Uh, we fought all year long, all the receivers, running backs, linemen. I mean, we put we put all the work in together. So um, I'm just going to reflect on the season, proud of the boys, and just see what happens. But you're human, isn't that was uh, from the NFL Network. Uh, my suspicion is that he wants more money. And he probably deserves more money because he is an absolute animal. Uh, his two touchdown receptions last night in that losing effort uh, tied Gronkowski and Tom Brady with Joe Montana and Jerry Rice for the most postseason Super Bowl touchdown passes. They were pretty good together. In history with 12. Just feel like the Patriots have that guy, and he's in their back pocket. And when they need something, they go to him. He is a matchup nightmare. And the guy covering him was five nine. Didn't work out last night, but boy, was he uh, dominant in that game. Uh, one guy who wasn't dominant in that game was uh, the MVP when the Patriots beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. That would be cornerback Malcolm Butler, who did not play a defensive snap and played one special team snap. Deion Sanders talked about that on the NFL Network's postgame show. I feel like this kid can play the game. His last game against Jacksonville wasn't his best game. We all know, and he was victimized, and they start blitzing him to get him out of coverage. But to do him like this, where you're willing to put safeties on slot receivers, and you got your butt handed to you, all because... That's not good football. That's not good assignment of personnel. That was a mistake on the behalf of the New England Patriots. We're going to hear more about that. That had to be disciplinary. There's going to be something. I mean, there's no way that Bill Belichick outthunk himself to the point where he thought it would be better to have the guy who played more defensive snaps than any other player on his team sit out the Super Bowl. I would say it's unlikely. I won't say it's. there's no way. We're going to hear it's going to be think disciplinary. Bill Belichick thinks he's smarter than everyone, and I think that's the likely mm-hmm. outcome, but it wouldn't stun me. if it Butler's was... going down for, like, a drug trafficking or something in three days. Something that it, hasn't broke yet. It's, there's yeah. no way that he came in, you know, missed bed check, and then he didn't play him for the Super Bowl. Normally I'm a, a guy who tends to side uh, with the coaches when, when they make these kind of decisions because – they are the ones who are at practice. They are the ones who are in the meetings. They are the ones who are evaluating this stuff constantly. And, you know, we're watching games once a week. I go to Steelers practice. I don't know what their coverages are. I don't know who's screwing up half right. the time. Somebody's got to tell me. But when it's a, a starting player and a guy this decorated and a guy that's so integral to the defense and has been all year, and then all of a sudden you have this kind of turn of events. Um, this doesn't make sense. It, you would think if it was just, a, hey, he's – his game is regressing, you would still use him in the sub-package stuff. But they didn't even do that, and that is uh, wild. One thing I did uh, pick up on at the end of that uh, Deion Sanders soundbite, he said it was a big mistake 
on the part of the New England Patriots. Hmm. Didn't want to call out Bill Belichick. Who makes the decisions for the New England Patriots? I don't even to, honestly. I don't think he was trying to avoid saying Belichick. I think I watched that whole NFL Network post game with Dion. He's not the most eloquent fella. I he, well, he he searches for cliches and stuff. He, he speaks in sound bites, so he does try to speak in sound bites. So he was yeah. just you know, well, Ladanian, he was like on he was on autopilot when he was talking like that. I think Ladanian Tomlinson was also on that uh, panel on the post game show and. He said it cost New England the game. I think so, because you cannot put a safety on a slot guy. Safeties are just not fast enough, uh, typically, to cover slots. They're not quick enough to, to cover slots. Some, some, and Malcolm some, is very some good. In, in, yeah, some. Some, but, some but, can't. And today, what they did right. as well, they played a lot of man free. They played a lot of man free. So that safety was one on one right. with no help over, on, over top. That, the safety that played the slot position. I felt like he would have been a better fit for the, the defensive calls today because of the way the game played out. What but, a weird arc for that guy's career. I mean, when he made the biggest play in the Super Bowl that the Patriots won against the Seahawks, he wasn't a starter in that game. He was a nobody. They brought him off the bench. Yeah. And then he's actually a contributor, and he gets benched. Weird. But this is uh, another... Uh, example of how Belichick isn't perfect. What do you hear about that staff all the time? Oh, they make the adjustments, right? At halftime, they make the adjustments. Yeah. Well, they gave up 22 points in the first half. It wasn't working in the first half either. And, now, and what did they adjust to? To 41. And now they're going to have to adjust with no uh, wow. with a new offensive coordinator, a new defense. Well, maybe. There's some speculation that uh, McDaniels is going to turn down the Colts. There is some speculation. Wait, I thought Patricia had the Colts. Patricia no, he has the, the, Lions. the Lions. Oh, okay, all right. But they feel pretty happy about that. <laughs> the Colts? Yeah. No, the Lions. the Lions. Now we'd like to introduce the guy who just gave up 41 in the Super Bowl. To the backup. <laughs> to the backup. Now the guy that lost nah, he's good. I'm, he's a good coach. They, he didn't have a ton to work with. They didn't have their night last night. I mean, it just. Well, they didn't, they didn't play uh, the guy they leaned on more than any other defensive player. By yeah. the way, James Harrison can still play football. In the fourth quarter, he looked tireless. I didn't think he was great. Uh, obviously, when you get the ball moved on you the way they did, nobody on defense was great. He did have two tackles and uh, two quarterback hits. He was in the backfield for that entire drive. Didn't quite uh, get the sack. Uh, 68 defensive snaps, 91%. Huh. Coach Tomlin. A request from Steeler fans. Next year, please don't make the Patriots better. Maybe they could uh, keep Le'Veon Bell, and then that'll bubble over No, midseason. I'm on the get rid of Le'Veon Bell. After we watched three running backs kill it last night, and we have we need to spend money on our defense. Speaking of and, those three running backs, I mean, do you think that the Patriots fans are like, why'd you let Blunt go? Yeah, they wanted to give him a pay cut. He got his third Super Bowl ring back third. to back, back with to back different to back. teams. Yeah, that's he was he was special last night. That was the inverted Hosa. Levy and Bell nope. saying once again during Super Bowl week that he would sit out if franchised, and then said uh, that his teammates, some of his teammates, weren't prepared to play against Jacksonville this last week. I mean, well, maybe he wants out. He's not doing himself any favors. Yeah, he might. He might. He's he's seen how you can. Uh, Talk or act your way out of here. That's right. He he might be following the James Harrison uh, uh, 
plan of getting ousted be a huge pain yeah. in the ass? Well, he was around for the Garrett Blunt one too, right? Yeah, that's he was why, with Legarrette. That's why Garrett Blunt left because he wasn't getting enough carries. Garrett Blunt was trying to get Le'Veon Bell. Why is he okay getting? The, and, why is he getting the okay getting the ball ten times a game in Philly and not here or New England? The Garrett Blunt, yeah. It's not like when he let. It's not like he went to these no, places and became a, a featured back. We got I don't. I don't know the answer there. Other than it, I think it's Ron Burkle's fault. Yeah, he was in, he was in the <laughs> box with. Uh, yeah, just hanging with Giselle. Yeah, with the pass. We're taking a quick break. We're going to come back. Uh, also, um, what a game! What a show! What drama! NFL's yeah, that, awesome. that was a really fun game to watch. You know, this league has rules issues, and it's got uh, procedural issues, and it's got behavioral issues, and it's got labor issues, and it's effing awesome. Download the free iHeartRadio app to your smartphone. And- it's a DVE morning show. You know, if you want to beat the Patriots, you got to be ballsy. Fourth and goal. Uh-oh. And they're going to snap it, and it's Trey Burton who throws caught. Foles, touchdown. Here we go. They've got all these signals. Shotgun, he would not have been eligible, but for the fact he was in the shotgun, not under center. And there's the old basketball player. They talk about Nick Foles. He's more comfortable playing quarterback like a point guard. And here he is receiving the pass that is going to be shown a billion times. Yeah, it was, that, that was huge. He was a tight end in his sophomore year in high school. <laughs> Go for it on fourth down against the Patriots. They that went for real. it a couple Screaming times. Screaming at the tackle like they're all screwed up, and then the ball just gets snapped. <laughs> you could tell he, as soon. You could tell that that was going to be a direct snap as, when he went over there and then mm-hmm. kind of like set himself first. You're like, oh, here it goes. I thought it was just wildcatting out. I what thought a, it was going to go straight into the line. What a play! Play uh, the strip fumble again with, when Chris Collinsworth goes, oh, oh, uh, when he chokes on, <laughs> uh, and he's like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, two. That's the second most surprised I've been <laughs> at an ending in the Super Bowl. The other, he- yeah, was, me too. What was the first? Neil O'Donnell. Ah, Steelers got the ball back. I, I was convinced they were going to win that game. I had the same feeling last night. Well, um, big plays abounded yesterday. Another fourth down that was huge for the Eagles. The first down uh, completion to Ertz stretched over on that fourth quarter drive that ate up so much clock. And enabled them to go down the field, keep Brady off the field. Tom Brady was so good last night. He had 505 yards passing. I hate him. No interceptions. Hate him. He's so good. They didn't punt. Yeah, that was that was remarkable. I mean, they you, well, how many penalties did they get? Two. One. One. Yeah. <laughs> so in two football games, 120 minutes of football, they had two penalties. It's pretty good. It's a well-coached team. It's very good. And they pay well, too, to the refs. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's that. Though. That was a Pittsburgh no. guy uh, at the helm last night. Gene Steratore. Yeah. Union Town's finest. Yeah. It was, it was nice to see a little Pittsburgh representation last night. Everybody was, like was bitching. Was having a good time. Yeah. Looked like he, he, he looked like he pumped up a little bit. He came to uh, training camp for three days. He was part of the crew that uh, they come and they show the players a video every year and update them on rules changes, and then they work practice. For three days. And then they go to Sharkies. 
to kind of familiarize. I didn't see Genius Sharkies. The Super Bowl 52 Ertz touchdown catch, which could have been super controversial, uh, ended up not being that. I bet it's pretty controversial in New England this morning. (laughs) Good point. Steeler fans somehow are equating that with the Jesse James catch. Mike, they are two. because they're out of their minds. They're two totally different plays. Steelers fans are grasping for reasons to feel like they got screwed out of their rightful Super Bowl win because they think they should win it every year and there's nobody else that's any good. And if they didn't win, it's because the world is against them. Yeah. It's in really fairness get, to them, really though, getting old, people. Wait, but in fairness up, to them, grow the, up. Both of the broadcasters last night were invoking Jesse James in that game as well. He said Jesse James's name before Ertz got off the ground. Yep. Al Michaels was was referencing that uh, Ertz had clearly established. He caught the ball on the six yard line. He clearly established himself as a runner. Clearly, I mean, on the six yard line, he caught it. Yeah. Took so, three steps and he either dove or got undercut or both, but that was the difference. But the similarity was that when they crossed the plane, they dove with their hands and the ball yeah. caused the similarity it to- was it was against the Patriots. Jesse yes. James went to the ground to make the catch when he didn't have to, and that's what screwed that play up. Well, all right. That- and if, if you want to go further, the touchdown to Corey Clement, while it was a spectacular throw. And if we're all watching a game or we're playing pickup football, you know, if it looks like a touchdown, it's a touchdown. That theory looked like a touchdown, but under the spirit of the rule, I thought the ball was moving and he did not establish control before he went out of the back of the end zone. I'd have waved that one off under the current rules. Right. But I think it should have been a touchdown. So I think the Patriots got screwed on that one. We're talking about Tom Brady, uh, 505 yards. He says he's coming back. Eight Super Bowl appearances. He's five and three. Very easily could have been three and five. Very easily could have been seven and one. Um, Gronk. I don't know if Gronk's coming back. There was some speculation that was going to be Bill Belichick's last game. What's that idiot Gronkowski going to do? Besides, I, I think he's worried about his health. I mean, he's you know he's just. I think he's worried about. Uh, I want more money. Who knows? Maybe he's going to open up his own chain of Spencer's. He he'll have a burger chain. They'll be like Gronk Burger. Probably end up in Congress. Oh, your next president. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> no, he would have a hot dog shop and call it Grunk Wieners. Yeah. <laughs> 69 cents. <laughs> Nick Foles. Nick Foles, your Super Bowl MVP. Wow, was he good. That what a game was a playoffs. masterful performance Whole by playoffs. Nick Foles last night. And it's not some guy that pulled it out of his backside. I mean, he has done it as a starter in the league before. Not with regularity, but he's done it before. That. Didn't work out for him after he left Philly the first time. Wasn't very good for uh, St. Louis and uh, didn't play much for Kansas City. But that's not – I don't think that's a fluke. They put it in his hands, and he made every throw. Didn't both those teams look much better than the Steelers had been looking uh, down the stretch? No, I thought they kind of looked like the Steelers had been looking. Very explosive offensively and very inept defensively. Inept defensively. (laughs) <laughs> and, he, you know, Philly came in with the rep and, and the numbers and all that. But I'm telling you, you put these teams on dry, fast tracks in a game like this, and this is what's going to happen invariably, I think. It, defense is now going to be, can you get a strip sack or a pick or something? Can you be opportunistic? Yeah. Can you can you be opportunistically impactful at precisely the right time? That's the best you can hope for. Now, one story that was reported before the game yesterday and was a great way to start the day 
has apparently been, uh, I don't want to say debunked, but I guess. Corrected. It has been corrected. Yeah. Um, Michelle Tafoya tweeted last night or at some point during the game, you're referencing the Adam Schefter report. Yeah, um, people went crazy for that. He said Ryan Shazier had regained feeling in his legs and had been walking as part of his rehabilitation for the last few days or something to that effect. Here's what Michelle Tafoya tweeted, quote, A report came out earlier today saying that Steelers injured linebacker Ryan Shazier, who was just released from a Pittsburgh hospital on Thursday, is engaging in a regular walking routine. I just spoke with someone who was in regular contact with Shazier and who spoke with Shazier this morning. I was told Shazier wants to clarify the report. Although he does have movement in his legs, he is not walking on his own. Shazier needs assistance from a walker or other people to support him in his rehabilitation walking, which remains a struggle. And that was retweeted by Ryan Shazier with 100 correct at the top of it. Okay. That 100 with lines on it under it means 100%, right? Yeah. Why Adam Schefter would push that story out without hearing from Shazier is beyond me. It's pretty irresponsible. Competitive industry, and now everybody's. Yeah, but you're allowed to be wrong there. too much now. Yeah, you are, because it, everybody Being just forgets first is, and moves on to the next thing. And it's one, you know, it, too too much. There's too much stuff being put out. How do you think that made Ryan Shazier feel? I don't know. I mean, he knows everybody's rooting for him. Every, I mean, it's not. He was. Maybe Adam Schefter really wants some positive Ryan Shazier news. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I think Adam Schefter really wanted a breaking story. Maybe. It's, it probably forced his hand to be more upfront about how much of a struggle it right. continues to be for and him. And maybe they want to keep that private. Maybe that hurt the family yesterday. That was just the yeah. irresponsible reporting yeah. by Schefter. It, it was wrong. What do you got coming up, pal? We're going to talk a little bit. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, we'll go over Justin Timberlake's halftime performance and Pink's national anthem. Came in and under, right? It, yes. Pink? It, it did. I thought yeah. it was very good, though. Me too. Really she good. She was impressive. That was, uh, it was, and she was sick. I thought it was a professional. The song was what was most important, not her promoting herself or any of her interests. Yeah, I love the arrangement she did. She did it really well. Yeah, She wasn't trying to show off. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Oh, she took her dip out and just crushed it. <laughs> Tonight on Channel E. And the DVE Morning Show. Alshon Jeffrey, huge 52-yard reception. Play action. Going for it all into the end zone, and it is caught. Alshon Jeffrey for the touchdown. Yeah, I love that touchdown. Everybody in oh, that, was amazing. the party I was at was like, that's why they brought him there before because he dropped one before that or he was unable to get separation and everybody was all over his case. Then he made that huge catch. Maybe Malcolm Butler might have helped out defending that one. Maybe. Genius Bill Belichick did not start the guy who played more defensive snaps than any other at New England Patriot this year, and we have not found out why. It'll be interesting. You know this. there's going to be – a good reason for it, right? It's not because he talked back to him or he, uh, he sassed me. We expect there to be a great reason, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was just arrogance. Who knows? Well, the Steelers' arrogance cost them James Harrison, and uh, you saw him in the, last, in the uh, last quarter last night making a difference. I was shocked that he didn't have a strip sack or something in the end of that game. I thought for sure <laughs> that that 
seven-minute drive that they had that ended up with a, the touchdown to Ertz that was the, a lot of people were comparing to the mm. Jesse James touchdown. Uh, I thought for sure that was going to end in a James Harrison strip sack returned touchdown. He wins the Patriots Super Bowl, <laughs> and Steeler fans are just sitting there like jaw dropped. <laughs> Thankfully, that didn't happen. Also, we retain dominance in the Lombardi Trophy category. Yes. And hopefully bounce back next year with a better squad. But uh, Gene Collier from the Post-Gazette in Minnesota. We're going to talk to him momentarily. Val has a news update for you now on TV. Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It'll be partly sunny and cold today. Any snow showers will come to an end. High temperature 24 tonight. New round of snow showers as we drop to 19 in scattered snow showers. Bit warmer Tuesday. High of 33. I'm Scott Harbaugh on Severe Weather Center 11. It's 20 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Former USA Gymnastics and Michigan State doctor Larry Nasser will be sentenced for the third and final time today. Nasser will be in court in Eaton County following his sentencing last year to 60 years in federal prison for child porn and up to 175 years in Ingham County last month for sexually assaulting patients. The latest sentencing is the result of a guilty plea to sexually assaulting women and girls from the TwiStars Elite Gymnastics Club. According to the Michigan Attorney General's Office, 265 women and girls have come forward to say Nasser abused them. An Arkansas man is facing charges for driving without a license and not having proof of insurance. His name is probably the only thing that makes this noteworthy. His name is Shelby Mustang GT500 Miller. (laughs) (laughs) 29-year-old was caught by state troopers Friday and booked in the slammer. No immediate word on what he was driving and no word on whether his parents named him that or... He changed it on his own. It's not the first time this guy's been in trouble with the law. He was also in the news back in 2014. That was after he got into a drunken brawl at a bar in Iowa and pulled a hatchet on somebody. (laughs) Hatchet? Which, again, quite possibly may not have made the news either time without having the name Shelby Mustang GT500 Miller. Right. There are some risks with hunting, and now you can add this to the list. A 51-year-old man named Robert Mealhammer was goose hunting with some friends in Easton, Maryland last week. One of the members of their hunting party shot a goose, and it fell right down out of the sky and hit Robert right in the head. Oh, no way. Knocked unconscious, uh, knocked out two of his teeth. He was rushed to a hospital and listed in stable condition. Uh, Reports say a goose can weigh about 14 pounds, so imagine a 14-pound whatever just dropping out of the sky right on your head i mean only fabio can imagine that (laughs) fabio took one to the face he took a goose to the face on a roller coaster that was we don't talk about that enough no of all the no it should be something (laughs) we talk about every day the of all the bird accidents that have been caught on film the randy johnson Blowing up a bird. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is one of the craziest. Crazy. Because, the, I mean, the chances of some bird flying by perfectly in the middle of a 99 mile an hour fastball, it just destroys and then he the just bird. Turned it, it into bird tried. confetti. No. And it just, and everybody was kind of like shook up by it. They're like, oh my God. Oh. That was, that was, that was really the strangest thing anybody's ever seen. Everywhere. That, and then Fabio getting hit by a bird on the roller coaster, and he comes out with that bloody nose, and he's just all <laughs> kind of like shaken up. <laughs> Which is the not- most famous male model takes a whoop, whooping crane to the face. Because he's on the cover of all those, like, 
the, so, the romance novels yeah. and stuff. You just never think the star of a romance novel is going to be embarrassed on a roller coaster by a bird to the schnoz. <laughs> then Fabio was hit well, right in the nose Bud Light by a sparrow. Owes Philadelphia a beer. The beer maker agreed to cover Eagles tackle Lane Johnson's promise of a beer for everybody if the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Johnson made that promise last August. Well, after the team beat the Patriots last night, Bud Light issued a proclamation. Every Eagles fan, 21 and older, can get a free beer at the bars along the team's victory parade route through Philly. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So congratulations to to them. Will will the parade route just be... (laughs) On fire? It might be, yeah. <laughs> Unintentional pyro. They are burning Philly down right now. Which <laughs> yeah, is the are. weirdest thing. It's we won. very strange. Let's destroy the place. Looting. Well, when you haven't won in a while, you don't know what to do. Well, it's you... like that's the day you stop looting. <laughs> that's the day you don't eat horse crap. Yeah, you said you saw a guy eating horse crap? Yeah. Oh, my they went God. full what Cleveland. Is... Now, it's they like... have reason to eat it. The Brown, Browns van. No, anyway. they've been figuratively doing that for for <laughs> a decade. But like it was figuratively the day for them to stop doing it. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe that was how people celebrated back when they used to win. <laughs> Dilly dilly. Farmers. Yeah. <laughs> Have a horse loaf. Uh yesterday's musical performances. Uh Leslie yeah. Odom Jr. kicked off the pregame with America the Beautiful. America, America, God shed his grace on me, crown my good with brother, for I'm the children's choirs yeah i thought that was Just great this is such a cool opportunity for them to do stuff like that uh pink uh despite having the flu suffering from the flu she uh did a pretty good job with the star spangled banner last night oh say can you see my yeah don't you feel like Pink is one of those artists that was misunderstood uh, for a time, and now everybody's on board like, yep, Pink's a badass. Yep. Yeah, probably. She's not just weird colored hair pop singer. Right. Once she, she started doing Cirque du Soleil and belting out tunes in the middle of her concerts. She's a pretty powerful voice. Yeah. And I'm a little scared of her. <laughs> she could probably beat you up. Yeah. Is she from Philly? Yes. Is she really? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Want to hear the whole thing? No, but she All was right. really good. 154. Came in on the under. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Justin Timberlake, what were your reviews of his? I mean. I have a very specific review of his. Okay. Being in Minneapolis, you have to pay tribute to Prince. There was word that there was going to be a hologram. Sheila E. started tweeting on Saturday. She's like. Prince told me, don't ever let them put me in hologram. I thought she also tweeted that Justin Timberlake assured her. He called her after she tweeted. 
And he was like, "How does he get Mrs. E? I know. How do you get? Do, <laughs> do, do you think he had Sheila E's number? In the or? celebrity directory. Yeah, get me Sheila E. Um, <laughs> so he he uh, talked to her, and she goes, oh, "Okay." He told me it's going to be very respectful. Here's the thing. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, go ahead. Minneapolis, Minnesota. This one's for you. Here's the thing about that. That the the prince symbol that they put in, in the city, the city was one of the coolest things that they've ever really, done. In the really, really cool. Yeah. But Prince never wanted something like this to happen. Now, if he would have played a Prince song, that would have been fine. If he would have done that, I would die for you by himself. I don't think there would have been an issue. But Prince gave an interview to Guitar World in which he said holograms were demonic. And he talked about using the images of people who aren't there. The language, y- 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 you, can, you can't really interpret it any other way. He said, that's the most demonic thing imaginable. Everything is as it is, and it should be. If I was meant to jam with Duke Ellington, we would have lived in the same age. That whole virtual reality thing, it really is demonic, and I am not a demon. So... To have Justin singing with his recorded version of it with an image of Prince in the background, I think was something that Prince would have hated. And his family has already, who are entrusted with his his estate, have already made a couple of calls that Prince would have hated. Specifically streaming all of his stuff immediately to cash in on it. He he had a private party at... um, What's the name of his studios? The Paisley Park? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. JT had a big party there. They're like renting it out. It's a banquet hall now. Well, so I, I like kind of disagree said. with that. I think you could have played a Prince song. I don't think he should have used Prince's image and Prince's voice because Prince didn't say, yes, I'll perform with you, Justin Timberlake, particularly since one of his most iconic performances ever was the Super Bowl halftime show. Well, that's what I thought he was kind of paying tribute to with the sheet. You know, with the with the guitar that looked like it was his unit. I thought that's kind of what he was doing, but I, I just don't know how he could have won in that scenario. He just plays the song and doesn't use print. He was singing no, then harmony. Then they said he appropriated uh, Prince's music and didn't even show a picture of Prince. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, w- I think you could have, if you were him, then point to that Prince quote and say yeah well i didn't want to go against prince's wishes i just wanted to pay tribute to him in his hometown with a 30 second clip gene collier has appropriated all kinds of r&b legends <laughs> writing styles through the years he joins us now from uh, minneapolis minnesota gino good morning how are you good morning how are you guys thanks for having me on i, I i'm assuming you didn't have as much of an issue or even care about the halftime performance had no idea what was going on was okay for a hot dog it was really you know but you know that's uh, that's usually the the way. Even um, where were we in Detroit when the Stones did the halftime show? Yeah, uh, yeah, I couldn't see much of that either. But I do count it as one of my Stones shows. You know, <laughs> as, you, yeah. as you should, yeah. as yeah. you should I'll count the Boston. I'll do what I want. You know? yeah, so, right. uh, how did you find first of all that uh, the Minnesota 
experience for for a Super Bowl. I mean, the cold weather aside, which we heard nonstop, uh, boy, that that dome looked beautiful. It is a beautiful stadium, and I could tell you, you know, I like working at Heinz Field. Um, you know, it's an easy place to work, a comfortable place to work. Uh, but I had more room uh, for what I was doing uh, at this new Viking stadium than I even do at Heinz Field for a Steelers home game. I couldn't believe how much room I had. And usually it's the exact opposite. You know, like you're really literally rubbing elbows with the person next to you. Right. And if you have, you know, get something to eat, you're eating it like a, like a fly, you know. <laughs> um, but, um, no, it was good. I mean, Minnesota did a good job, and it was fine. It was just not fine compared to other Super Bowls for the reasons we we talked about last week. You know, it's zero here right now. It was it was minus eight on Friday, minus three on Thursday, um, and uh, I spent the whole week in the mall. Um, so you know that's really that's not you know I don't know. It was seventy seven in Miami yesterday. That would be a good place to have a Super Bowl. I mean, I'm just spitballing here, right. but you know. Right. What did the cold weather uh, make Bill Belichick bench Malcolm Butler for some reason? Was there some reason? Was was the yeah, blood not flowing to his brain properly because of the negative temperatures? Yeah, I don't know. There was a lot of uh, that. I mean, that was a weird thing. But there was a lot of uh, you know certainly unorthodox. Um, decision making and play calling and stuff. I, you know, the only, you know, I guess um, one thing I guess didn't surprise me as I said on your air last week. This game will probably turn when Brady drops a pass and Foles catches one. I think I said that. <laughs> uh, you know, so there's a lot of stuff. I, I, I got the distinct whiff of analytics in some of the uh, play calling. You know, uh, Doug Peterson got some grief for uh going for too early in the game chasing points as they say but i'll i can tell you for a fact that doug peterson and the eagles have figured that out and they can show you some kind of chart some kind of algorithm that says you know the uh the benefits of of making this play far outweigh the negative impact of not making it then that's uh, you know a lot of teams are going that way including the steelers oh yeah do you know the yeah. the eagles had one bona fide star on offense and that was carson wentz uh, what they had without Wentz was a bunch of guys who can play. Are they yeah. are they shifting the way teams should consider building their rosters in terms of balance, or was this just hey they won the game and then we move on the next year? No, I think that's a definite um, a trend, Mike, and a good observation. You know, the Penguins, the, uh, the the Patriots are, you know, much the same way. Look at all the running backs the Patriots have and uh, all the options of wide receiver. You know, they lose Cooks in that game early in the game, and they, they all think he's their most talented uh, guy there, uh, you know, if you don't count Gronk as the the tight end. But among the wide receiver group, I mean, they all love Cooks, and he goes out of the game, and they, they have no – they still throw for 500 yards. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of roster construction, you know, this was, this was very informative. So I guess do you rethink the value of a $15 million a year running back? I, f- I figured you were going to get to that, Mike. Yeah, that's and, what I was uh, sort of. Yeah, but uh, that you know, meandering. I think you're right. I, no, I do. I think that's an excellent point. Um, but uh, it was a great, uh, a great Super Bowl, and it would have been a great Super Bowl no matter who was involved. But it was especially uh, compelling, I thought, uh, just because of the history of the Patriots and and the history of the Eagles. Um, you know, I think that really the most emotional moment I think was. 
when uh, Chris Long and LeGarrette Blount of the Eagles got the reverse Hosa, the reverse Hosa trophy at the center <laughs> yeah. of the field at the end of the game. You know, they instead of losing to a team in the finals and then going to that team and losing to the team that <laughs> beat you last year, they went to the other team and beat the team that, uh, you know, they were on the ones. It was pretty good. Again, choked up just talking about it. You mentioned some curious play calls. Uh, the, the reverse host of trophy is a, the prominent factor. Great job by you mentioning that. But the Patriots, are, are is the dynasty cracking? Uh, is it going to be a different Patriots team next year, or did they come up one sack strip fumble short? Um, no, I mean, I don't see many things changing there. I think, um, you know, the one thing they have to address is uh, their defense, obviously. I mean, uh, just look up and down that defense. There, there's not really a great player there. Uh, maybe with the exception of Chung, and he had to leave the game for a while too. But all uh, all over that defense, you know, there are many, many movable objects, and they really have to get better there. Don't forget, you know, they they practically lost to the Steelers. Uh, they nearly lost to the Jaguars, and they lost to the Eagles in three of the last five games. Did Bill Belichick outsmart himself a couple times? You know, that kickoff, uh, when they had time to, yeah. to have a, a gimmick, there and uh, by the way, Peterson played that perfectly. He he disallowed mm-hmm. them to have any play there because you don't want to squib kick it. We've seen those uh, be disasters time and time again, where somebody gets it, one of the up guys gets it at the forty, uh, right. and by you know hitting the wedge shot there, they took yeah. out the possibility. Uh, of them doing anything with it, and they still tried to do the reverse, which and they was, ran some clock, and the clock just kept yeah. ticking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think so. I think there was a number of cases uh, like that, and that's. Uh, I think that. Uh, I think Mike, you'll agree that that's kind of endemic to the Super Bowl too. I mean, the, for the first half of the history of the Super Bowl, it was known for unbelievably conservative decisions, but uh, really, since about Super Bowl thirty, everyone has included some kind of. Uh, issue like that um uh, and i think you'll see more of that as we go again harder to the analytics going forward on fourth down i mean just some big yeah. big plays it's just gotten to the point now where that that's where it is in the nfl the conservative play only takes you so far yeah right and the play uh that earth scored the winning touchdown on that i was sitting next to uh Hall of Famer Ed Bouchette, and I, I said, there is no way I'm throwing the ball here. I don't care. <laughs> if I have to settle for a field goal, I will, but I'm not throwing the ball out there. I've seen my, Malcolm Butler, even though he's not playing, he'll come around. <laughs> <laughs> but, Gene, how, how about the confidence that they had in Foles? I mean, to, to really put the game oh, yeah. in his hands, the throws that he made last night, I mean, I oh, did I, not see that coming. I, I thought they would have played a much more conservative game. With him. Yeah, I mean, I I know he had a great uh, game in the championship game, and he has been coming ar- uh, around and getting more used to the receivers. Now, he was hurt in tra- training camp where he never really developed a rapport with his receivers, and it, it just took him a, f- a few weeks to do that. But you're right, Bill. I never expect that kind of uh, swashbuckling uh, in the mm. Super Bowl against New England. The best thing the NFL, best rule change they've made in the last few years was moving the extra point back. Yeah, I like that. Uh, now, if they could only decide what a catch is, maybe people start watching it again. <laughs> Did you have, uh, uh, you know, the Ertz, I thought, was was cut and dry. He was a runner, and, uh, uh, you know, he cut the ball on the six-yard line. So I, I didn't think there was a lot of uh, dispute there. But the, the Clements one, what did you think of that? I thought that was a catch, too, because I, I thought it looked to me like he had – 
you know, the first foot down as he received the ball. I thought then he got another one down. Then the one that was disputed, in my view, was his third step. Uh, but no one, uh, no one can be surprised uh, at what gets overturned. Because he didn't so have the ball secured until the second. If the third step that's disputed, let's say those are the three steps, he didn't secure yeah. the ball until the second step. I see. It, it was still moving. So the argument would have been that the first step that. doesn't count because he hadn't right. yet secured the ball. But I say he did secure the ball. You know how? It, I know it wasn't on the carpet. That's right. It was on his person. It's a catch. I know, I know that well, may yeah. not be how the rule is written up, but for, you know, we got to get a little well, more commonsensical. Well, I know. And the Ertz catch, too. You know, I thought the Ertz catch was a catch. And I mean, just – uh, because it has been for whatever it is, 100 years. But, you know, when you start going back to the rule, you know, did, when the ball, when he and the ball go to the ground, and it, it appears that he does control it, but then when he rolls over, the ball is free again. So did he control the ball throughout the catch? He caught it again, but he didn't control it throughout the catch. Is that part of that? De- you know, who knows what's going on? So now is Tom Brady's legacy ruined? <laughs> I don't think so. I'll tell, you know what's ruined it for him is me thank you very much i've seen every super bowl he's lost and none of the ones that he's won wow oh you're the yeah. you're the brady jinx i'm the, I'm the jinx you're careful welcome. how loud you say that he'll have you tb12 knocked <laughs> off no, there will be a the tb12 boba fett will come find you <laughs> you're not thinking about retiring anytime soon are you gene because no. you, you gotta at no. least yeah. stick yeah, around till he retires <laughs> yeah absolutely well, uh, always great to talk with you. Thanks for making time for us this morning, and uh, safe travels back from uh, from frigid Minneapolis. Great being with you guys all the time. Thank you. We'll see you. Gene Collier right. from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Good stuff from Gino, always. We're going to talk with Tim Benz. I like it. He's the Brady Hex. Benzie's going to be good to talk to, because after spending as much time working at WEEI in Boston as he has, he has a unique perspective on what this is doing. Benzie has a unique perspective, no matter what I, you're talking I about. I agree. I agree. Uh, so that's on the way. <laughs> Uh, 15 minutes or so from now. And we're going to do a review of the Donny Irish show. It was awesome. Yeah, you were there for it. I want to hear about that. Oh, my God, was it good. Uh, That'll be coming up uh, with our friend Sean McDowell. And, Mike, we'll let you sort of fill in the gaps there. uh, As Donny celebrated his 75th at uh, the uh, Palace Theater in Greensburg. And the mayor was there, and there was a proclamation and everything. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. Hey, in case you missed it, that Rams truck ad that ran during the Super Bowl, Super cool. Did you see it with the Vikings? And they were like, t- they were just like going from Iceland over to Minneapolis in the boat, and they were dragging the Ram truck behind them. The spot featured that really cool, uh, rare version of We Will Rock You by Queen that uh, they just found that they had in BBC archives. I remember them doing that live in Montreal on the DVD live in Montreal. I'd never heard that before. It's a really cool version. Uh, it's the 40th anniversary of We Will Rock You, which is, you know, the number one sports anthem of all time. They just won a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Grammys. You should go. If you didn't see it last night, you can see the full two-minute version by going to YouTube and just search. Explore the science behind sexuality this Friday at Carnegie Science Center's 21-plus night. That accident on 79 southbound at the Warrendale Bain Road area, that's been cleared. Accident in Marshall Township on Warrendale Bain Road near I-79. Ice buildup causing problems on Wenzel Avenue at Broadway and Beachview. And multiple accidents due to slick conditions on Wilty Street at Lincoln Avenue downtown. I'm Val Porter, DVE Total Traffic. Indeed. 
used by over 3 million businesses for hiring, where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. SouthParkMitsubishi.com. South Park Mitsubishi. Feel the difference. DVE Sports. I cannot wait to hear why Belichick benched Malcolm Butler. I don't know if he'll ever tell you anything besides. You may never hear, yeah. He, uh, I played football I decision. Going to be football decision. Best interest of the New best England Patriots. Best chance to win. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we've gone to the Super Bowl. I'm on to the offseason. Butler told ESPN.com they gave up on him. Well after the Eagles' 41-33 victory by uh, in Super Bowl 52. That, that guy's uh, played in three Super Bowls in four years? Malcolm Butler? Yes. That's crazy. Well, played one play last night. Yeah, he didn't really. Yeah, One special team. He was snap. like the punter. Didn't really get a lot he of He didn't play many night. plays in the one that he, he had that crazy interception. But he played some decisive ones. Um, interesting game from this perspective. Uh, Steeler Nation is elated that the Patriots still have just five Super Bowls and the Steelers are still leading that race with six. Um, I'll just remind everyone, Green Bay has 13 NFL championships. We don't know what you're talking about. Okay, Um, Those don't count. But uh, the other fallout from this that's uh, got me intrigued is maybe we can put to bed the New England narrative as it relates to, well, Belichick never would have let that happen or Belichick never would have done this, or uh, the Patriots would have figured that out. I, I'm not trying to rip them, but I, I think Belichick's great. I think they've earned everything they've gotten, and they've gotten a hell of a lot uh, in the Brady-Belichick era, but uh, they are not perfect, and they do not have the only answers. There are there are multiple ways to win, and what you have to do is figure out which ways your team can execute the best and win the way your team has the best chance to win. Everybody well, does. Everybody doesn't do it the same way. And when it doesn't work for your team, you, you don't necessarily need to be ripped because Belichick wouldn't have done that. Here's the thing. Doug Peterson did everything right. Just about everything right. Called and a perfect game. Everybody else craps their pants against that for some reason. Look at the yep. clock management in the second half versus what Jacksonville did against the yeah. Patriots. How he bled it down. I mean, what it is, it's I like... I was waiting for New England to run the ball more because they couldn't stop him. And they needed to, to be a little more controlled. Did you conscious. almost think Belichick was going to let them hurry up and score so that he could have the ball last there with more time? Not in that instance because uh, it was potential that a field goal would, would beat them and kicking in that game was goofy. Yeah, it was. I thought a rookie kicker came up pretty big. He did, but I don't, a lot of botched snaps. I don't, if I'm them, I'm okay with holding them out of the end zone and and making them try a 38 yard field goal with some time left. I I, I meant on the Ertz touchdown drive. Actually, I thought. Yeah, the, that was it. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, because then the one they kicked at the end was just kind of perfunctory. They were going to run the ball three times and run right. the clock. And, I mean, it ended up being a strip sack anyway, yeah. so the point would have been moot if that's what it would have happened. But the, the thing is, is the execution of Bill Belichick's players, they don't screw up. You know, I think his biggest contribution is they they execute. They don't screw. They catch every flipping ball, it seems like, Except if it's near them. Except the quarterback. But if that would have, <laughs> if that would have gone... He had a lot of daylight. Well, he wouldn't have scored. But no, but he would have got a huge going. gain. Tom Swede just doesn't have the hands, man. Tom Swede. There's a story on uh, Patriots.com this morning, and the headline is, Curious Decisions Lead to Bitter Defeat. This is written by a guy named Paul 
Perillo, who's identified as working for Patriots Football Weekly. Okay. I don't know if that's independent of Patriots.com right. or they work together, whatever, but it's, it's a Patriots guy. And he talks about Malcolm Butler as, quote, that wasn't the only decision that was questionable. Uh, starts with third and two from the Eagles nine in the second quarter. They try that jet sweep to Brandon Cooks. Didn't work. Third and two. Yeah, why do you Jet sweep. That? Right. Didn't work. Oh, nobody runs wide. That was a Todd Haley, right? yeah. Um, then Guskowski, Guskowski misses the short field goal, so they don't get points there. Um, next possession, third and five from the 35. That's when they tried to reverse pass to Brady. Okay, it was open. They didn't execute it. But instead of trying a 53-yard field goal, which uh, the writer, Paul Perillo, insists is well within Guskowski's range and indoors, In dome, yeah. I would agree, they punted. So they didn't get any points there. Uh, Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, asked about some of this stuff after the game. Said, quote, those calls are up to the coach, unquote. Well, and and then, then he talked finally about the the ill-fated reverse on the last uh, kickoff return. That was just – Which just – you know, you got to have a check out of that. Yeah. I mean, Philadelphia uh, – the, the, the article quotes Matthew Slater, the Patriots special teams captain – he said, quote, they had a great placement on that kick and made it real tough on our guys. They made it tough for us to get leverage, and we didn't handle it well. Tip your hat to them. They kept it in play, and they hadn't been doing that. Yeah, see, that was the thing. A- again, it- Peterson was making all the right calls. Because yep, yeah. I thought for sure that was going to be a squib that was going to end up you know, getting uh, received at the 30-yard hmm. line and just ambled forward nine yards. And then, they, oh, yeah, they okay, bu- here they are now. They're on the 40. 60 yards away in a minute. Yeah, yeah. like you just, just gave them the game because yeah. you crapped your pants because you know they're going to convert there. Yes. But now they're on the 10. And the, the going forward at the end of the second quarter – was fascinating to me because if that's in the middle of the quarter, I don't think twice. I go for it because if you don't make it, as long as you don't throw an interception in the end zone, they're going to start on the two yard line, and you got you could argue that you would get really good field position if you stop them and you get your points the next possession anyway. But going for it at the end of the half, there's no reward for not making it. Right. There's, there's no consolation prize. You're, you're either giving away points or you're not. And he's up three at that time. And he said, boy, we got a whole half of football to play. I'm not kicking field goals, and that's not going to beat these guys. Sends a message. Got to get touchdowns. I guess that's why, like, it's – I criticize things that would – I wanted him to do things that would have made him less consistent in in terms of how aggressive he was. Because I didn't think he should have gone for two and that you should never go for two until you have to go for two. I didn't like the going for two either, but if you got confidence in your offense – and I've had this argument with people. If I have Ben Roethlisberger, if I have Aaron Rodgers, if I have Drew Brees, if I have Tom Brady, I'm going for two a hell of a lot more than even those teams do. And the Steelers do it a fair amount. Only well, only a coach that was a backup quarterback could have that much confidence in a backup quarterback. Yeah, you might be right on that. <laughs> All right, quick break. We're going to come Kinda back. Kind of like a minor league hockey coach having faith in minor league hockey players winning the cup. Former right. WEEI Boston sports radio host Tim Benz joins us when we uh, come back from the commercial break to talk about what's going on in New England today. We know what's going on in Philadelphia. Bunch of dudes waking up with, like, Crisco all over their jeans and (laughs) barf next to the bed. He's ready to rock and roll. Looks like this is going (laughs) to Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. 
It's nine minutes after nine at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast. It's brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It'll be partly sunny and cold today. Any snow showers will come to an end. High temperature 24 tonight. New ground of snow showers as we drop to 19 and scattered snow showers. Bit warmer Tuesday, high of 33. I'm Scott Harbaugh on Severe Weather Center 11. 14 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. An English man is warning the dangers of energy drinks after they almost killed him. It happened eight years ago, but Nick Mitchell still feels the effects after he suffered a brain hemorrhage and three mini strokes. All that happened after Mitchell downed 25 cans over a six-hour period. Oh. Today he has trouble speaking and slurs his words. He says in hindsight it was a bad idea. <laughs> he didn't know that they were that dangerous. Now he's telling a story that so young people, and actually it's not just young people, will know of the risks. Presumably the risk of drinking two dozen energy drinks in six hours. He told UK media the drinks are as bad as drugs and should be banned. I, I know a couple of people who have absolutely destroyed their heart from drinking energy drinks. Yeah, me too. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't know what the components are in there, but it is so unhealthy. I mean, just the size of the drinks and the, the volume that these kids are putting back now, it's just so unhealthy. Seems every time the Olympics come around, there's talk of the Olympic Village and some of the amenities the athletes can take advantage of. Well, this year, a record-breaking 110,000 condoms have been donated to the Winter Olympics in South Korea. With 2,925 athletes set to participate, that averages out to about 38 condoms per athlete. However, press and staff also have access to the free rubbers. Organizers told the South China Morning Post, quote, baskets with condoms will be placed at both men's and women's toilets at Athletes Village in Pyeongchang and Gangyong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the main press center, the <laughs> medical village, as well as the medical center as well. Uh, it's the most for a Winter Olympics. The Olympics in Rio, they had 450,000 condoms available. First time condoms were publicly distributed was back in 1988 during the Summer Olympics in Seoul, South Korea. They should have, like at the opening ceremony, they should have huge, like, you know, those confetti guns. It should just be filled with condoms <laughs> and just everybody's getting it. Uh, everybody is getting it. Yeah. And I mean, they, the opening ceremony is 38. Friday. For some athletes, is probably a little shy. It's probably like nobody wants to do it before their competition. So yeah, if you compete, you want to give up your mojo. So the people who compete in the first three, four days, and then they're they done. Live it up. Yeah, they're just <sighs> screwing for a week right. after that. Can I borrow your allotment? I'm uh, I'm all done with the downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Editors of the Oxford English Dictionary just announced a new batch of words they are adding to the dictionary this year. Some of the most notable include hangry. Uh, you know, I mean. Pretty much on. everybody knows that one. Hungry thing. and angry. Mansplain, which they define as explaining something needlessly, overbearingly, or condescendingly, typically when addressing a woman in a manner thought to reveal a patronizing or chauvinistic attitude. Swag, mm. like swagger. Not swag, like uh, free like, stuff. Yeah, bleep we all get. Yeah. Um, is that what that stands for? What? Swag, S-W-A-G, bleep we all get. Yeah. I never knew that. Acronym, swag. Oh. I didn't know that. We'll have a meeting about it later. Me time, also being included That's this two year. words. Well, it's a, it's a term. It's one. It's compounded. Snowflake. 
The definition is a person <sighs> characterized as overly sensitive or easily offended or as feeling entitled to special treatment or consideration. That has nothing to do with p- political affiliation. Uh, and Aunt Flo <laughs> is being included this Just year. Hilarious. Just now? I feel yeah, like that's like, a 2006. Forty years too late. The Crimson Tide. <laughs> and this local story has made national news. Nicole Grimes of West Brownsville saw a Facebook post by a friend recently, and it said that she had an older dog that belonged to a neighbor who had passed away, so she was helping the family try to find a home for the dog. Well, Nicole saw the post and thought, oh, she looks like the dog that I has a, had as a kid. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take her. Turned out it actually was the dog she had as a kid. An article in the Observer Reporter states after she picked up the the dog, she took it to the vet. They scanned it for a chip. The chip matched the number, uh, the chip number, the dog of her childhood dog. That's just crazy. Yeah, Man, the article wild. says when Nicole was a little girl, the family adopted a dog, but uh, I guess her dad worked at home and the dog barked a lot, so it just was not a good fit. So they ended up taking it back to the shelter and an older couple adopted it and had it all these years did you see there was a video going around the internet where the same it was the same kind of story but the it was this guy who got reconnected with a dog that he lost like three years ago this dog had been in a shelter and they were reuniting them and the the dog like didn't know who the guy was and was like kind of whimpering and then all of a sudden it realized who the guy was and he started jumping and going crazy and (laughs) and then i cried yeah dogs are the best I mean, it was just like, what, what is this how my Friday's going to go? Consider that, that that dog that got adopted in Brownsville. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the dog's perspective, he had to go back to the lady, as far as he's concerned, that put him back in jail. All right. <laughs> well, she Good was to be back with you, time, Mom. So. Thanks for yeah. putting me up for adoption. Okay, maybe she didn't. A highly respect, respected Australian music writer is speculating ACDC will continue with Axl Rose on vocals. Murray Engelhart, who has written two books on the band and interviewed them multiple times over his 25-year career, recently wrote that he thinks they'll record a new album and continue to tour with Axl. The longtime Guns N' Roses frontman stepped in to sing with ACDC back in 2016 after former frontman Brian Johnson left the band due to hearing problems. Alice Cooper, who turned 70 yesterday, emerged unscathed from a car accident last Thursday. He tweeted, had a car accident this afternoon in Phoenix, but luckily everyone walked away unhurt. Very thankful for that and also to at Dodge for building such a sturdy challenger. Cooper collects vintage American muscle cars, including the aforementioned Challenger. A fan posted a photo of Alice in front of the car on Twitter and let everybody know he was doing fine. And while everyone debates how well or not so well Justin Timberlake did in his third Super Bowl halftime show, Rolling Stone has compiled a list of Super Bowl halftime shows ranked from worst to first. According to Rolling Stone, the Black Eyed Peas in 2011, the worst. Over Hmm. up with people and that stuff in the 70s? Well, I think that it was, they were last and then next to last was like 69 to 80 or something. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, U2 in 2002, the best, according to Rolling Stone. That was great. Number two on the list, Prince in 2007. After that, the list includes Beyonce in 2013, Aerosmith, Britney Spears, NSYNC, Nelly, and Mary J. Blige in 2001, Bruce Springsteen in 2009, Madonna in 2012 is number six on the list, Lady Gaga from last year, 
The Stones in 2006, Katy Perry and Missy Elliott in 2015, and Paul McCartney in 2005 is number 10 on the list. Some others to note uh, on the list of 28 include Michael Jackson in 1993. He's at number 11. Tom Petty in 2008 at number 12. And The Who in 2010 is number 21 on the list. If you want to see the full list and uh, accompanying videos, you can find it on the Morning Show page at dve.com. Last year was hilarious with Lady Gaga. I thought she just, like, jumped off a cliff right at the beginning. Yeah. It was like, at oh, my God, the- Lady Gaga is dead. <laughs> okay, no, she's not dead. She's going to do a concert. And then at the end, she caught a football and jumped off again. I was like, oh, no, Lady Gaga's dead again. Forecast, partly sunny, cold mid-20s for the high today. It's 14 degrees at DVE. So everybody's worried about the flu. The flu is putting more people in the hospital than any time in the last decade. And yesterday, the Super Bowl, they were warning was going to be a super contagious uh, day in which they expected a big surge in the flu outbreak because everybody was sharing the same dips. A lot of dipping going on. A lot of double dipping. Yeah, I uh, hands in there. I was staying away from dips. But then this buffalo chicken dip came out. And that I was like chick dip. I was the first one. I'm like, dude, fresh <laughs> tracks. Right? Like this is getting out on you the mountain before anybody there. else has skied oh, down it. Powder. So I'm rifling through. I'm like, I'm just gonna fill up on this before anybody gets over here. And uh so I felt pretty good about it. But then it was so good, I kept going back, and I was, like, reaching in the bowl. I'm like, I don't care. And then I heard, like, sad music in my head as I was reaching into a germ-filled bowl <laughs> for more chips. How do, and go- how, how do you know everybody else wasn't thinking, oh, Randy stuck his Oh, I guarantee you they are. Randy <laughs> just ruined the buff chick dip. Yeah, I, I don't care. Uh, He's germy. Yeah, no, I'm a germy <laughs> fella. Yeah. but What about just spooning some of it out onto a plate? Right. Sure, could do that. Could do that. There wasn't a, wasn't a spoon. Mm. There was only chips. Chips were the spoon, uh, and it had just come out of the oven. It was so hot, and I didn't care because I just wanted the fresh tracks. Here's the thing. Uh, A new study looked at how many bacteria and fungal cells there are on different surfaces. There are plenty of places to worry about, all right? So as you bear down here for the next month of avoiding the flu, things to consider. Uh, On an airplane... Oh, it's got anywhere on an airplane. All right. Basically, they say airplanes are the worst. And right now, a lot of people are traveling. Get you know, you get the winter blues after the holiday, you know, holiday travel. Right. So February is a big vacation month. The flush button in the airplane airplane bathroom. That's the worst one. Uh, They have ninety five thousand CFUs. You want to know what CFU stands for? Uh, I'm not sure. (laughs) Sure. I really I don't think I want to. Colony forming units. <laughs> Bacterial call. Oh, oh. 95,000 is almost five times as much bacteria as you'll find in the average kitchen sink. I just assume they don't clean airplanes other than picking up garbage. Yeah. yeah. Your tray table. They really don't. Oh, no I knew way. that one. 12,000 CFUs. People changing diapers Your on there. Your seat. Felt <laughs> the buckle. Uh, they said because bu- everybody touches that. Yeah, the buckles. The, the next one. The uh, the thing you really need to worry isn't on the worry about isn't on the plane. It's one of the first things you touch at the airport. The self check in kiosk. Mm. Screens have an average of two hundred and fifty five thousand CFUs. That's a lot. Of That's CFUs. three times as many as the flush button. And the one they tested had over a million. The armrests on the chairs at your gate, you know, when you sit down and wait for your plane, mm-hmm. 22,000 yeah. CFUs. 
The button on water fountains. 19,000 CFUs. Oh, so people just putting their b-holes on all these things? <laughs> How is there that many CFUs on <laughs> the touchscreen at the kiosk? Hey, uh, in uh, all of the uh, fanfare of last night's Super Bowl cavalcade of commercials, the Rams truck commercial was one of my favorites. You see the one that was shot in Iceland? There's a bunch of Vikings. Yeah, I thought about you. And, yeah, because You've been I'm, to Iceland. Yeah, I've been to Iceland. And uh, I've not been to Minneapolis, though. And then they, they get in the Viking ship, and they row across the ocean, dragging the uh, Ram truck to the sound of Queen doing uh, the We Will Rock You version that they just unearthed from the BBC, which is, like, really cool. Yeah, they just got a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Grammys last Sunday. You can catch that on YouTube if you didn't get to see it live last night. Go to YouTube and ser- uh, search Ram Trucks. Once again, YouTube, search Ram Trucks. Super cool commercial and a super cool version of this tune uh, that they unearthed by Queen. Good stuff. All right, Mike Scott Sports next on DVE. From the South Hills on. All right, Mike Pursuta with a sports update for you right now. And we have a, uh, a concert review coming up of the Donnie Irish show that Mike will uh, help Sean McDowell deliver. Oh, I don't think he'll need any help, but I'll throw in my two cents anyway. That's what I do. Uh, sports this hour brought to you by Panhandle Cleaning and Restoration. The championship standings remain unchanged in the National Football League. It's still Green Bay on top with 13, Chicago Bears second with nine, and the New York Football Giants third with eight. Blasphemous. One of those people that thinks time started when they started calling the Super Bowl the Super Bowl, that it's still the Steelers six and the Patriots five. I think San Francisco has five as well. But nobody's got six. So we do. Steeler Nation can exhale and uh Yeah, you're thought you're continue talking about, having a reason to live. You're talking about the NFL BK before Noel. Yeah. This is not a concern. BK. <laughs> <laughs> we don't count that stuff. You like that Chuck Canole guy, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Eagles beat the Patriots 41-33. Fascinating game on so many levels. And you got to hand it to those Philadelphia Eagles who may or may not have a city left when they get back from Minneapolis. Is it still standing? Parade's going to look like the Allies driving Jeeps through Berlin. Bunch of rubble. Some stuff that uh, you might enjoy. The headlines uh, today in the Boston Globe include Hard as it is to believe, Patriots lost to a better team. There's also, from start to finish, Patriots defense had no answers. There's also, I could have changed that game, says benched Malcolm Butler. And last but not least, Rob Gronkowski says he'll consider retirement in offseason. So the Patriots not immune to what everybody else goes through when they don't win the Super Bowl. I don't think Gronkowski considers anything. I think he just (laughs) yells out things that come to his head. That would imply some thought and reason. (laughs) He doesn't contemplate things. Me play still. (laughs) Or me done play. (laughs) That's pretty much it. They should have that new Jurassic Park should have a Gronkosaurus where there's just like a big dinosaur with the Gronk face. Unbelievable game for him, though, yesterday. uh, He's uncoverable. And then they started targeting him and 
unreal. I'm well, just, you know, when they're covering him with a guy who is giving up a foot and a half on him. <laughs> you know, remember that next time you get mad if he comes back and the Steelers can't cover him. Nobody can cover him. Well, I mean, some people do. Why didn't they jack him up at the line on that final play? What was that all about? That was that was insane. And that, you know, for a, there's one guy who for can come a last down second with it. hail mary. That was, I mean, the, he was there and it bounced up, it deflected up, and a couple guys had a shot to dive under it. Yep, that was exciting until the very end. And uh, I said this before today. I'm going to repeat it. The NFL that catch rule that got to do something with that. It's a mess. Uh, there's officiating issues. There are behavior issues with the, some of the players. Not the majority of them, but uh, the league takes some public relations black eyes. There are procedural things that drive people crazy. But what a product. What a, what a championship. What a game. What an event. The Super Bowl. Nothing like it. I love it. Absolutely nothing like it. So fun. Curious to see what happens uh, to Bill Belichick in terms of uh, how much criticism he takes for the way that game was coached, the decisions that were made. And uh, culpability for the loss. Everybody else seems to be held to a certain standard. I want to see if, not that he's not still a great coach, but that was not his finest hour yesterday. In fact, it was one of his worst because they lost the big one. And it didn't take a guy catching a ball against his helmet this time. They just got beat. They got outpatrioted. They, their their offense was not the best offense on the field. Which that. is just insane when you think about Foles doing that against Brady. And they got the ball back with uh, approximately two minutes left, and a touchdown wins the game, and they turned it over instead of executing that drive. Wow, was that fun to watch. Uh, some of the uh, awards uh, presentations over the weekend that we haven't talked about at all today. Uh, the MVP is Tom Brady. Coach of the year, Sean McVay of the Rams. No, he's not. The coach of the year is Doug Peterson. Coach of the year is the guy who holds that trophy up every year. That's how you know he's the coach of the year. <laughs> AP comeback player of the year, Keenan Allen of the Chargers. AP offensive player of the year, Todd Gurley of the Rams. AP defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald of the Rams. Hey, wait a minute. The Rams had the coach of the year, the offensive player of the year, and the defensive player of the year. How did they not win it? Something ain't right there. <laughs> You're the coach of the year, and you got the two best players on each side of the ball. How do you not win the damn thing? By the way, they got beat by the Eagles in the regular season, too. They did. Uh, AP Offensive Rookie of the Year, Alvin Kamara of the Saints. AP Defensive Rookie of the Year, Marshawn Lattimore of the Saints. AP Assistant Coach of the Year, Pat Shermer, Vikings. Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award, Luke Keekley, Panthers. And Walter Payton, Man of the Year, J.J. Watt. How could it not be? Might be the human being of the year. <laughs> Forget the NFL. Uh, I'm with you on that, man. J.J. Watt didn't is for as much attention as that garnered. It didn't get enough. I agree. What was the end result of the money he raised? He raised like thirty some million. An absurd amount. Um, the Hall of Fame uh, class was also announced on Saturday. No Alan Fanica and no Ty Law. No, I know. I think it was north of fifty. By the way, was it? Contributor Bobby Bethard, linebacker Robert Brazil, safety Brian Dawkins, guard Jerry Kramer, linebacker Ray Lewis, wide receiver Randy Moss, wide receiver Terrell Owens, and linebacker Brian Erlocker are your class of 2018. I cannot say that any of those guys are not Hall of Famers or not worthy. No. 
I'm very disappointed Fanuc has not yet been so anointed. I believe that'll happen at some point. I think Ty Law's deserving as well, but it's uh, it's tough. There's uh, there's a lot of competition. What did Goose say? They're gonna two thirds of the guys were all <laughs> decades that were gonna be told no. Yeah, among the finalists, nine guys. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a lot. Um, but congratulations to all those guys and. Uh, Congratulations to Philadelphia. Hope you got a city left. You know, Good Lord. As we wrap up the NFL season, we now turn our attention towards, yes, the Penguins, but also spring training, the boys of summer. Baseball. In Pittsburgh, we haven't exactly been made to feel as though the Pirates have a shot at doing anything other than putting on some nice fireworks nights and occasionally resurrecting the career momentarily of an 80s one-hit wonder band. (laughs) Which is why we here at DVE want to take a more optimistic outlook. That's what we do. And it's your chance to experience spring training with real potential champions. The 2018 Spring Training Flyaway contest here. You and a friend could win a trip to see former Buckos Garrett Cole or Andrew McCutcheon in their new homes in either West Palm Beach, Florida, where Garrett Cole is with the Astros, or in Scottsdale, Arizona, Where Kutch will start his career as a San Francisco Giant. We've got your airfare. We've got your hotel and tickets included. You won't need nothing. (laughs) I think it's nothing. You won't need nothing. We'll pick two winners, one for each trip. Take the nutting quiz at dve.com slash contests to register we're going to run this through next week. Go visit those guys. We're there. Hey, why not see what it's like where the grass is greener? And cheer on Cutch and Cole one more time. Yeah, go have a ball. Well, let's see. The Astros just won the World Series, right? Yeah. The Giants just won three in the last yeah. whatever year. So see what it looks like for a team that wins the World Series with their spring like. Yeah. And root on your favorite for favorite former Buckos in their first year out of what Jason Kendall once termed baseball hell. The Pirates. He just called it hell, didn't he? Yeah, I know. Did he just say welcome to hell? Yeah, I think it was just no. Yeah, he said welcome to hell. Yeah. We really have to get him off the welcoming committee. <laughs> he was kind of a jerk. Yeah, we should really get him out of the airport. <laughs> welcome to hell. Welcome to Pittsburgh International, a.k.a. Dell. Spring training. Once again, go to dv.com slash contest. Take the nutting quiz, and you can be off to Arizona to see the San Francisco Giants or West Palm to see the Houston Astros. Just hang out. Enjoy some uh, some spring training with uh, actual legitimate uh, champs. Spring training's great. Nice. When we come back, we'll talk about Tony Iris in the 75th anniversary of his birth. This past uh, weekend at the Palace Theater in Greensburg, Sean McDowell 
will join us on the phone. Mike Pursuta, you were there too, and I was. the reviews are rave. Ing. He was phenomenal. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's 75, by the way. You know I mean? You go watch some of your favorite bands from back in the day, and you wonder if they could still pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. There's none of that. He could still pull it off. His band... Oh. It's the DV. Oh, man. <laughs> Everybody over there? Dropping headsets. And... Bell's computer's just. You all right over there, Valerie? Mm-hmm. Valerie's no. kind of. You're not having a Her good computer morning. just went black like a TV last night. I tried to restart it, night. and it won't restart, so. That's just. That's why I wait till the end of the day. Did that happen on your TVs last night? Yes, it did. That was a very strange thing that happened during the Super Bowl. It I went... thought the TV was off. We did, too. We turned it off the TV and turned it back on. And then it turned was turned it off and then turned it back on again. Turned it off and turned it back on again. <laughs> and then we saw that mm-hmm. they had gone back to coverage of the game, but they were still waiting for the kickoff, like for you know a minute. And we were like, "Oh, this is valuable time that they mm-hmm. screwed up here. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, million, millions, millions of dollars, they trillions, lost right probably, there. probably trillions." Uh, Sean McDowell is uh, going to be joining us here. Do we have Sean uh, lined up? Oh, sorry, I had to close that out. Yes, we do. Okay, there's Sean McDowell. Hey. Sean, what's up? Hey, Donnie. Hello? I, Donnie. Hey. I, Donnie Iris is. Can anybody hear me? I can't hear you guys. If you can hear me. Uh oh. <laughs> oh no. Can you hear us now? Ma- what? Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> Great review. <laughs> hey, coming up tomorrow, we'll have more stuff. Are you there? Wait a minute. Hey, I can bring some more of that stuff over for you guys later. Yeah, man. To, bring it over. <laughs> can you hear us now? I can hear you now. All right. Uh, Sean McDowell here to talk about uh, Donnie Iris's 75th birthday celebration this past weekend at the Palace Theater. And, Sean, you surprised King Cool uh, jumping out on stage to open the the uh, festivities. I did, and that was uh, completely not – it wasn't scripted at all. I mean, I think Donnie knew I was going to be there, but I never saw him. We were all backstage, but I never actually had a chance to talk to him. And then so uh, there's Donnie out there, and everybody's on their feet screaming, and he had, he was facing stage right. I came out behind him, and he turned around, <laughs> gave me the biggest hug. It was, you know what, uh, Donnie Iris, he's still doing stuff that uh, that he can still hit those high notes, that he can jump up. I mean, Mikey, you were there, right? I was. Well, he was leaving the stage with his entire <laughs> body, jumping straight up in the air like two feet off the stage. Who can do that anymore, especially at his age? Unbelievable. So uh, the crowd there, I, I heard it was like a super raucous like crowd, ro- like rock and roll show. It not your typical, let's go see a 75-year-old entertainer response. No. Well, no. a lot of the people in the crowd weren't far behind them. No, you're exactly <laughs> right about that, Mikey. But you know what? Uh, yeah, it was an older crowd, as they say. But the lines at the bars, at the, all the bars at the beautiful Palace Theater, they were just oh. as long as they were like 30 years ago when Donnie and the Cruisers were touring. Wow. Around the rest of the well, country. Well, what did yeah. that make all those uh, old prostates uh, do there? How, how was the line? <laughs> the lines the at the restroom were. <laughs> no, nah, we went to the Rialto beforehand, and it was shoulder to shoulder packed. But there was such a good vibe. Everybody was so excited yes. about that show. And then everybody slumped across the street uh, into the palace, and it just the same. Uh, kind of energy was present in the crowd and the show. Yes, Sean, you're you're much more uh, of, older. Of, no, you're much more of a musical <laughs> expert than I am. But 
my impression, all these bands that I have been seeing my entire life, they're so much better now live. The technology's so much better, and the production is so much better. And I, the, the cruisers, it was the same type of thing. It hit me in the face how good they are, how tight they were, how good it sounded, and how good Donnie sounded. Yeah, and you know what else? Um, there's a lot of performers. Well, not a lot of them actually are still doing this at Donnie's age. But the ones who are, I'm sure that they go out uh, on stage or right before they hit the stage. If you're an aging performer, a lot of people in the audience expect you to sound like you sounded 30 years ago. You know, people are really, they don't have a whole lot of patience anymore. If you can't hit those high notes anymore, a lot of your fans are going to be, oh, geez, that's too bad. Donnie Iris, he did that one scream uh, during, uh, with a little help from my friends. It was one of the last songs they did Saturday night. (laughs) He did that, he did that, and everybody was like just, oh, I mean, everybody went crazy. Donnie can still do that. Yeah, Leah was amazing, too. Uh, Leah was amazing, yeah. what what a show and, and those cruisers and they're all you know they're all pretty much around the same age. I remember seeing those guys in bars. I remember when that album Back on the Streets came out, and Donnie had everybody knew about Donnie Iris, the lead singer of um, the Jaggers, but they didn't really know his name. They just referred to him when that album came out in 1980. Oh, the guy who sang the rapper. He didn't really have a solo artist reputation at that point but then geez now i should have introduced myself saturday night i I said hi i'm sean from wdve i should i should have said hi i'm sean because it was all about donnie that night and everybody was screaming (laughs) donnie like all night long yeah it was the crowd was really juiced up and you know in everything that implies but uh what he started i think agnes was the second song and that that show took off like a jet plane yeah, and I, uh, Donnie wasn't aware of this either. I just brought up a couple of brief historical points. When uh, yeah, I tremendous job them. by you, by the way, that was fantastic. Oh, <laughs> oh hey, you guys remember? Hey Val, you remember we all did that uh, with Michelle, the Happy Birthday video last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah. In, in your studio, Randy, and everybody was singing Happy Birthday to Donnie. So I see Mark Madden Saturday night, and Mark says, "Hey, I drove out here. They played that video three times, by the way." Mark Madden said to me, I drove out here not to see all you guys sing Happy Birthday to Donnie three times on the big screen. I came out here to see Donnie, but we got like a three-peat that night. Uh, <clears throat> hey, Mark Madden could have done a video if he wanted to. <laughs> That's right. Donnie was, he was just so, he was so grateful. I mean, he thanked the crowd. He, I got this one shot of him standing there. It was the end of the night. The other three guys, the other cruisers had left the stage. It was just Donnie standing out there with the spotlights on him, the spotlights on the crowd. Everyone is on their feet, just roaring and clapping and applauding. As he's thanking them, they're thanking him. It was like the first oh, yeah. night of the... Oh, man. It was just... It was, And everybody stayed... Towards the end, you know, like at some shows anymore, people start, you know, filing out, you know, for the last like 10 minutes or so. Not at the palace. It was completely jammed, packed until Donnie's very last song. I saw that uh, the picture you tweeted out, Sean, you tweeted out that picture and then a picture of Mount Rushmore. (laughs) I loved it. Well, uh, Billy, I I pointed out Donnie wasn't aware of this. When he was born in 1943, there was no Fort Pitt Bridge. There were no four pit tunnels, no Squirrel Hill tunnels. 
Alcatraz was a brand new penitentiary in San Francisco Bay when uh, Donnie was born in 1943. You know, it's, it's interesting you wow. mentioned that uh, he appeared grateful because that's the impression I got from being in the crowd that he did every time he did a song, he, he was marveling at the reaction, which I, if I'm him, I would have expected it. He was that good. He deserved it. But that there was uh, a, a tremendous vibe of appreciation coming yeah. from the crowd to the stage. And I felt like it was coming back from the stage to the crowd. Well, um, next week it's round two back at the palace. I got to tell you, the palace theater is a beautiful venue. I know how Pittsburghers are. As far as, like, you know, driving to Greensburg, if you live in the South Hills and you're driving to Greensburg, that's like driving to Columbus, Ohio, for a lot of <laughs> Pittsburghers. But, you know, in Pittsburgh, Mass, from the South Hills to Greensburg, the Palace Theater, it's two tunnels and one river. And the Palace Theater is a beautiful place, man. It's a beautiful venue. They really take care of you. Everybody's so helpful. Uh, Mark, and next Saturday is round two. That's sold out as uh, this past Saturday's was, but I know that the third, the three-peat, with Donnie and a whole bunch of special guests, I, I don't know who the special guests are yet, but that's going to be Saturday, March 10th at the Palace, and I know there's still tickets left for that, but if you can't make it, if you didn't make it this past Saturday, or this coming Saturday. Absolutely, yeah. It's, oh, he, I mean, Donnie Iris, hey, hey guys, we all do the same thing for a living, but there's a lot of rock stars out there now who can't hit those high notes anymore, and they're still touring. We don't have to get into the names, but there's a lot of lead singers out there. I have such respect for Steve Perry of Journey. Steve Perry said, I can't sing like that anymore. I can't hit those high notes anymore. He actually publicly said that, and I really had to salute him for that because here's a guy who's living in reality. Donnie Iris goes out there with impunity, I mean with complete total confidence, and he nails every single note. It's unbelievable. 75. 75. Forget TB12. There should be a DI-75. <laughs> Put out I a workout only think program. Of, I can think of maybe two other lead singers who have the energy, the energy out there, that the, physically, that Donnie does. Mick. You know, this, excluding Mick Jagger, because he's like an anomaly. Putting Mick over here on his own pedestal. Maybe Peter Wolf of the Jay Giles Band. Maybe Alice Cooper. Those are the two most physical guys close to Donnie's age that I think are still doing it. I saw Bob Seger at the arena. It was the last concert he's ever done to this point. It was Pittsburgh, late September. And Bob was sitting for portions of the show. Donnie Iris was jumping, I mean levitating, <laughs> two feet off the stage when oh, he was yeah, just running around. Right, Mike? He was, I, was, I was back at graffiti there for a while. That's, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, he does a lot. And that was a hell of a place to be. Uh, thank you, Donnie. Oh, man. It, it was it was just tremendous, and we got a, we got a really nice group shot uh, afterwards backstage at the Palace. And again, it's a beautiful venue. If you're a Pittsburgher, no matter where you live here, I know Green, the mayor said uh, Greensburg, Pittsburgh's biggest suburb. I know that to a lot of uh, <laughs> Pittsburghers, Greensburg might seem like a drive. How bad did he get booed? Yeah, what would you say? How bad did Peduto get booed? Oh uh, no, he didn't get booed. Yeah, he did. I didn't hear that. Yeah, because he tried to turn it around. He said, uh, I give him credit for this. He said, they're not booing. They're saying, Padudo. Uh, <laughs> well, we were off stage. Oh, they're booing. Well, we, we were off stage. Yeah, he got, he got heckled. He handled it. He's, he's affable that way. He can take it. Yeah, I mean, he was up there. I mean, he did a tremendous job. It's Donnie Iris Day coming up uh, February 28th when Donnie has his uh, – 
his birthday. I mentioned I saw Mark Madden. Mark was sitting in the Lincoln assassination seating area up on the far right. <laughs> He's always in that perch. Yeah, you know where those seats that hang the wall really close to the stage, upper left, upper right, that's where Mark was. Donnie was tremendous. Sean McDowell, listen to him afternoons on TV. Sean, thanks, man. Thanks, guys. See you, Val. See you, Sean. That's uh, Sean McDowell. Yeah, I can't echo what he said enough. Get to one of those two remaining shows if you missed this last one. Because yeah, I'm going this Saturday. It is absolutely, uh, you'll be blown away. Those guys, the, the whole thing sounded great. He, he was great. His band was great. Tomorrow on the show, Mike Lang, Billy Gardell, the return of Mark Andre Fleury to oh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Flower coming back. How about that? Uh, all right, Michelle's <laughs> coming up next. DV. I'm finished.